0: Before we get into the following interview, just a note to let you know what's in the pipeline here at Insight Myanmar Podcast. Up until now, all of our work has been conventional sit-down interviews with a single person discussing their background and perspective, like the one that follows. As great as this format is, we're experimenting with new dynamics as we adapt to better respond to the current crisis. We are now working on an upcoming series examining the spread of the coronavirus in Myanmar, especially its impact on monasteries and monastics, as well as how meditators are faring around the world. We have also begun a feature called Myanmar Dhamma Diaries, in which a single story will be told, and then examined for its relevance in understanding Buddhist life in the Golden Land. But for now, enjoy what's next, as we know this is a very special interview that follows. Sway Wen and I bonded over a decade ago with a shared personal commitment to Vipassana meditation and a professional interest in community development. From the time I first met him and began to hear about his background, I felt privileged as an exclusive audience of one, but hoped that a wider audience would someday be able to hear his amazing story, which combines an inner journey towards liberation with an outer engagement in political and humanitarian affairs. Several times while in the company of fellow meditators, I would try to tell some of his story but my second-hand accounts could never do them justice. So I'm very happy that we have this emerging podcast platform that allows Sway Win to tell his inspiring story in his own words, animated by his intensity and the power of his memories. I actually hadn't seen Sway Win in several years, and when I called him out of the blue and mentioned the Insight Myanmar podcast I was starting up, I hoped he might vaguely consider being a guest at some point in the future. Instead, he surprised me by being willing to come in just two days' time which was especially amazing to me considering how much else I knew he was currently balancing in his life. He arrived slightly earlier than expected and explained that as his daughter was asleep in the car on an unusually cool January evening, he had just 45 minutes to talk. I said that would be up to the length of his answers and he laughed and promised to be succinct. But fortunately for listeners, he did not limit himself to short, perfunctory answers. In the end, he treated us all to a fuller accounting of his compelling story than I initially hoped for. There's certainly a lot of food for thought in this interview. A dedicated Vipassana meditator from the SN Goenka tradition, and not afraid to use his voice where he sees injustice, Swaywin's journey for inner peace has coincided with the outer turmoil he has lived through in this country's recent history. Intensive meditation retreats are no easy matter, wherever in the world one may be, but to undertake that spiritual journey when stability and even basic freedoms are not ensured adds a lot of weight and immediacy to the contemplation of Anicca and Dukkha. Our interview was interrupted by his daughter, who had awoken and somehow found her way into the recording studio. So we wrapped up, and I wish them well, thanking them again for their generous time. But as we didn't reach the more recent events in Sway Wyn's life during our conversation, I'd like to take a moment to share that here. Sway Win is currently the editor-in-chief at Myanmar Now and the youngest recipient of the Ramon Magsaysay Award for Emergent Leadership. He has led investigative reporting into such issues as human rights abuses, corruption, including the family wealth of military generals, and more. His report into a child abuse scandal at a Yangon tailor shop resulted in the resignation of four members of the Myanmar National Human Rights Commission and disciplinary actions against police officers in Chaukta Township. Sui Win has also been a fierce critic of the ultranationalist nationalist monk, Ashin Wiatu, and felt that the monastic's fiery speeches went so far against the Buddha's teachings that it merited defrocking. This criticism ultimately resulted in a defamation lawsuit in which he was required to take more than 50 trips from his Yangon home to the Mandalay courtroom, a 36-hour round-trip by car, and with a threat hanging over his head that missing even a single session would result in him immediately being reprimanded and thrown into jail. Sui Win later said that this experience, quote, has instilled a sense of fear in all newsrooms for covering the Buddhist monks and the nationalist movement, end quote, that this kind of harassment awaits any journalist who honestly covers these events. As you can now probably better imagine, there's quite a bit packed into this interview, and it's a privilege and an honor to be able to bring this story to you. Clear your schedule, because this one requires your complete attention. So, Sway Wen, it's really great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us on short notice. I'm trying to remember the last time we saw each other. I think it was a few years ago. It's definitely been longer than, than I would have liked, but we, we've been busy. And, of course, it's been a number of years since we knew each other um, back at the American Center, uh, where we used to spend some time. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time we met. I um I think it was at a a party or a get together for something of your students that I was attending that from a colleague that was taking care of you then you came up to me and you said didn't you go to a group sitting at Damajoti at uh you know SN Glenca center I said yeah you were there too and apparently you had seen me from there so we shared that connection
1: sure because uh, a decade ago those were the days my meditation was very intense <laughs> so I was always trying to find like minded individuals uh, to strengthen myself actually. Uh, yeah. So that's why when somebody said the uh, uh, American teacher at the American Center uh, is also a meditator at the Going cen- Goen- Going uh, uh, Center, I was intrigued and I wanted to say hello. Yes. Uh, but I wanted to make sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether the information uh, I was given was accurate or not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was accurate. Yeah, I, I remember. I was so happy too because I was, um, I, I at my time, my early time at the American Center, I uh, I hadn't met many people that were in both worlds, and so um, it, it was really quite nice to to learn that we were sharing the same things at the American Center, but we were also doing the same practice, and that was that was really a different world back then.
1: Yeah, I have two memorable uh, things. Uh, uh with you. Mm. Uh you took me uh to Siatachi's uh village. That's right. Uh in two thousand seven. Mm. I think uh in the immediate aftermath of two thousand seven Saffron revolution. Uh, uh so uh, the road was a me- sty Medi Road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maddy and Bambi Road. Yeah. You know? Uh only the motorbikes uh, can access the uh, Siatachi village. Yeah there there was no car at all actually, you know it took like well, at least an hour or so at you you have a good memory <laughs> <laughs> and then you took me uh to one of the houses in the village, you know, yeah who, yeah yeah, who supposed the visitors you know exactly uh yeah. uh, uh to the Seattle santa so we had we had a uh, like me actually right uh, at the house so i I remember that uh, that was the first incident with you. And then another incident is we went together to uh, uh, to the uh, uh, Yehana Ordination Hall uh, located uh, at the southern entrance of Shidogonbodera, and then. I remember you complain about the noises coming <laughs> from the happy War. I, I agree. <laughs> That's right. You know? Happy I, world amusement if, park. If I became a ruler of this country, yeah. <laughs> I would outlaw, you know, all these, you know, noisy, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. The polluted, contaminated, you know, the environment. Right. You know? Happy uh, World Happy uh, yeah. World
0: Amusement Park is yeah. like a very cheap ripoff yeah. of Disney World or something and yeah. it's right next door yeah. to Shredagon. But that's so funny that you remember going to Siathogs because I'm just amazed that I mean Burmese people have done so much in taking me to these sites. So it's just Hearing the story, I feel happy that that even though I was only in the country a short time, I actually knew about a Dhamma You didn't, and I got to take you there. So that's really cool. Yeah,
1: because, because of that, I managed to bring many others actually, oh, you know, to see right. the G uh, place. Yeah. Even some foreign yogis as well actually. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Dama, surprise, you know, like yeah. uh, like, like, like this at you early.
0: You know, it's yeah. funny because some of those sites, especially Pyobuji, they have these mm-hmm. guest books that foreign, or when foreign yogis go, they give for them to sign. Mm-hmm. And one time when I was at Pyobuji, they showed me, you know, Sayataji's meditation center, Tazaung. They showed me these guest book going back I think like thirty five years, mm-hmm. just astounding, so you can see you know any Dhamma friend you've ever had who's been here, mm-hmm. you can track their visit and there's you know business cards or words of of gratitude or sometimes pictures, even Goenkaji's name is in there, Mataji's name is in there, very big names of people who visited have signed it so one time I went back and I said, you know, I really would like to see all these guest books, just take pictures of every page you know have have preserved this this um um, this, uh, this list of everyone who's been, and they couldn't find them anywhere. So it took us about an hour to go through, you know, all the different Mm -hmm. places and shelves in the monastery. And they eventually pulled it out. They pulled out, you know, five books about Yehai and, um, and went through and just looked at these last 35 years. So Mm -hmm. that's an interesting record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um so that's great. Um I have a lot to fit in in this time, so let's just start right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mention something a little bit about your 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 family, where you were brought up, your your early circumstances.
1: Yeah, currently I'm a journalist, you know, uh, based here in Yangon. Uh I I was born and bred, uh here in the same town in mm-hmm. Yangon. Uh uh in a new neighborhood you know, in one of the satellite towns of Yango. So I was born in 1978. So, in, in just a poor, normal family, normal family. Uh, but I think I came into contact with the Ma, actually, uh, since very young age, hmm. actually. Uh, if I have to, uh, if I have to cite uh, uh going guys, uh, theory actually about the Dhamma. I would say, I brought a Dhamma plan with me mm. from uh, the last uh, life. From the last life. Okay. Right. So I think I am that kind, that, that kind of person. Mm. But I only uh, knew about that after uh, having pride days. You know. Yeah. Uh, the Vipassana meditation. We'll get to that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, what was your what attitude did your family have about religion or Dhamma
1: practice as you were brought up? Yeah. Uh, to 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 be fair, actually, my parents are good nature, honest, uh, etc., and a generous family. But their honesty, I would say, is just moderate. Actually, mm. nothing strict, nothing serious. You know, mm. actually, sometimes they may break. You know, uh, this sila or that sila, the small uh, small rules. Actually, mm. particularly regarding the rule. Governing just the oral communication that you had verbal communication Mm. that you early, you know, right speech, right speech. I would say, so, so that's the right behavior. Early, you know, so not a very strict uh, sila family. I Mm -hmm. would say, Mm. to be fair, Mm. to be fair, but to a greater extent, they are very generous, Mm. very simple-minded family. I think our family. Is the most generous family in the entire neighborhood. Mm. Whenever my father got something, he started thinking about sharing, mm. giving a free party, actually. Mm, mm. Free party. Party is not in the sense of the Western party, actually. Mm. You, you know, cooking something. Like a and play. Opening yeah, your doors to oh, everyone, actually. Right, right. We don't even know invitation. Uh-huh. We, we never have the idea of invitation. Oh. The idea of invitation is very... Uh, very new thing. Uh-huh. It's a Western concept. Yeah. Even the appointment or invitation. Just the doors are open, people yeah. walk in. Yeah. You just invite the ma'ams. Right. Nobody invites actually. It's uh-huh. invited. It's uh-huh. just alert. Hey, we have, you know, we are, we are holding this ceremony or that ceremony on this day actually. You just separate out the word actually hmm. from one person to another. Hmm. Everyone is invited. Mm. First come, first serve. Mm. No special arrangement for any particular person. Right. Actually, you yeah, know, yeah. my father would go anyone um, from the street. He doesn't care, you know, whether the food is left for any elderly person or honorary person coming late. Right. He de- He wouldn't care. He w- he never cared. So that was the kind of an environment yeah. you had em- growing em- up. Environment. Yeah. Sometimes the abode camp, mm. but some abbot, Buddhist abode. Right, they did not bring up. themselves with the jam. Novices, as you were, my father would not tolerate that. You know, my father said, "You must bring everyone Ah. (laughs) from the from the monastery, everyone."
0: Ah, so he really had quite a bit of generosity. Yeah, Yeah. everyone. Yeah, so was that the this quality of generosity? Was that kind of the main feature that you saw of the Dhamma practice or the the Buddhist religion coming out growing up? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so then um, as you went through life, I I was referencing some things about you before the interview, and I refreshed my memory that you had uh, a really deep and early desire and love of British literature, that you really got into it. And this was a time in Myanmar, this was before the, you know, the information age came to the rest of the world fairly, not, not so long ago, but the difference between the information age in the West and what came before it in terms of the internet wasn't that great. We had libraries and such. In Myanmar, it's like, you know, the, the last five or 10 years, it felt like 200, you know, we're living with Wi-Fi and internet now. But back then, you could barely buy books, you had to rent books, or you had to, to borrow them, you had very little access to it. Um, so how how did you get a hold of those books at an early age?
1: I think, uh, it very much is very much concerned uh, with the conditions uh, we grew up in. Hmm. So this is an isolated society. Yeah, uh, the level of the poverty, the level of the governments actually. So you have so many things in command, hmm. you know, with the events which happened in the Western War, like. Hundred years ago, mm-hmm. or 300 years ago. Right, so
0: like 15 years ago yeah. felt like two or 300 yeah. years ago here. Uh,
1: so sometimes you cannot express, you know, what you've been going through, hmm. but you find them, you know, mm. you find these expressions in this old literature. Ah, interesting. Uh, so, hmm. for example, I always feel, oh, we have so many uh, Dickensian families, mm-hmm. you know, right. in our neighborhood right. or who are endemic, you know, we have uh, uh, some people, you know, who negligently torturing their children actually Mm. uh, the children are not sent to school actually you know so there are are so many uh, cases you know uh, which I can resonate you know Mm. uh, with with the characters right. in the old British literature. So this is right. the main point. This is the major cause uh, behind my interest, you know, um. in the English literature at
0: So 19th century yeah. British yeah. literature 19, resembled yeah. 21st century
1: yeah. Yangon uh, neighbourhoods. Yeah, 20th tw- jury. I was 20th century, right. 20th century, it, it, yeah, it still remains yeah, very much uh, reflected of the 21st century uh, Bahama as well at Right. So that's how... I came to love the British literature, actually.
0: Right. And you also referenced that, and I'm wondering if this has changed now, you referenced really not caring for modernity and actually um, had uh, held in some kind of regard Ted Kaczynski, who was the Unabomber, who wrote some treatises against the, the advent of modernity and that you... You, um, to say nothing of his terrorism, which I'm sure we both abhor, but in terms of his theory, that it, it, would it be fair to say that you shared a sense of his fear and disdain for what the modern world was bringing?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Our generation uh, first st- uh, started struggling, actually, you mm. know, very painfully with this modern culture, actually. The new generation, they will, they will struggle mm-hmm. even more painful. The new generation, not just the bami generation, mm. of the entire war, sure, sure. entire war, they will miss so many gifts, the nature, you know, endure mm. us with the humanity, which have now been destroyed mm. by all these, you know, modern, you know, modern war actually, modern modernity actually. Mm. Uh, for example, if you if you want to live peacefully, that uh, we need a peaceful environment and also. 100 years ago or 150 years ago actually people kept so much from the nature very mm. easily actually right mm, you know right. but now uh, we we became completely slaves actually mm. you know uh, to to the work mm. or you know to our survival matters actually and just for the sake of survival mm-hmm. and then we just die actually mm. you know there is no space for the uh, greater such as you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, greater causes actually you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's how, how i wa- very very much worried about jewelry. You know, right. So this
0: is really interesting because then as you were, I think you were starting to enroll in university in 1996, and so you're interested in you know the concepts of 19 uh, the concepts of 19th century British literature. You're you're concerned about um, the the role of nature being diminished by modernity. I I take it your Dhamma practice probably hadn't really gained form yet at, at this stage but kind of set the scene for, for who you were and what was happening right as you start to, and you know, when you're, you're a young man at this time, you're, um, you know, what, 21, 22 something years old, this is a time at any, any country in the world where you're, you're struggling with your identity. You know, who you're having new ideas take hold of you and you're, you're you know, people of that age are, are kind of trying these ideas on for size and seeing who they are and how they fit and what they believe. And this is all happening to you as you enter university, but your university experience was not a normal experience that you'd have in other countries. So maybe you can share a little bit about that time.
1: Yeah, y- you were looking for a fun ground at you early, mm-hmm. f- you know, uh, to, to stamp at you early. Uh, to stamp at you early. Uh, so in those days, we were under the impression that we were just looking for uh, a better political system. Mm-hmm. That was not enough for me, mm-hmm. you know. I always felt there must be higher goals. Mm. There should be higher goals mm. just besides all these, you know, political changes, actually, mm. you know, uh, political objectives. There should be higher goals for, for me, actually. Mm-hmm. What is that, actually? Mm. What is that? What is that? So I, I am struggling with with all these identity questions, who mm. I am, right. you know, what I am striving for. Which is know. normal at that yeah. age. Yeah, so in throes of, Mm-hmm. Such as at you know? Mm-hmm. Such and for for something at yes, you right, know? Right. So in those days, yeah. But
0: that was happening at a ta- at a very difficult time in Myanmar history. So it wasn't just a normal young man trying to find his way in the world. Um, maybe you can describe a little bit about what was the university and educational system like in Myanmar at the time that you were just becoming a student.
1: I went to the university at you know. Uh I wanted to become a novelist at but that was not a very uh, intense goal, actually. Now, uh, I wanted to find like-minded individuals, mm. you know. You cannot find the like-minded imbi- individuals in a, in a small neighborhood, mm. you know. Uh, the greater, you know, uh, the space, you mm. know, mm. Uh, the geographic area, actually, right. you right. know, uh, a greater chance mm. of you finding similar, uh, mm. li- uh, uh, like-minded individuals. Sure. So. This is the this is the main purpose of me going to the university, right, which is normal. That's why kids everywhere go to yeah, university. Not for education, that you were. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, not for education, and not even for the politics. Mm. Political was, but the secondary reason, as you were, you know, I I wanted to engage with the uh, people of my my generation, as right. you were. Know? And what
0: what happened when you got there? Is that did, did I was, you find what you're looking for?
1: Uh, it was a complete disappointment. Mm disappointment first the sister is so bad at Juoli. Mm. the university was uh, no different than a concentration camp or uh, i would say a prison at Juoli. Mm. how so uh, students were f- were forbidden to visit each other if they w- if they belong to the uh, different faculties for example uh, i belong to the uh, i belong to the arts and humanities i cannot go and visit my friend at the science department. Mm, why not? Many lecturers, uh, university lecturer, so uh, d- during their spare time they have to work as security guards oh. at their respective department uh-huh. to prevent their students uh-huh. of different uh, 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 different vagaries coming at you early. Mm. Any sort of mobilization was. S- suppressed as you will, mm, Any mm, sort of mobilization. Mm, mobilization. Right. The, the 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 university lessons were so awful actually. So awful. There was no library at all. No library at all. Just for the namesake actually, the universities were running actually. You know, they were uh they, they they could not they can they cannot be even compared to a normal high school a mm. good high school actually mm. they are way below the standard of you know even the high school level actually mm. Mm. it was first it was a huge dis- disappointment mm. but I can tolerate mm. easily because it is expected but my bigger disappointment is people of my generation are not disappointed as, as much as I was uh, so actually. You're, you're disappointed
0: that other people aren't as disappointed <laughs> uh, yeah. as you yeah
1: other people find this is all normal actually uh, you uh, know uh, they will and I go of these of these years, you know, at the university mm-hmm. and uh, finish the school with just a certificate, or with just a signature from the university, I mean the department. It's all meaningless actually. Mm-hmm. In those days, people are really crazy for this university certificate mm-hmm. because you have no access to the outside world mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. other education opportunities, mm-hmm. no private school. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to even to get a passport to travel when everything is was so scarce and limited. Mm-hmm. This certificate so important it's so important right. many people are chasing after but i never care not because i'm genius i never care actually mm-hmm. for the certificate or for finishing a class or school i never care actually if i find something interesting i will study it without thinking about how it is will be useful mm-hmm. for the exam or that exam or this exam i wouldn't care actually. yeah you
0: just had a love but, of learning yeah, yeah love of knowledge so, so i
1: find people you know my own generation, hmm. very, <laughs> very terrible. Actually, this is the biggest disappointment. Actually, but not everyone. Actually, hmm. there is also always a very tiny minority of, of students, uh, uh, who share uh, the same
0: sentiment. Actually, hmm. right. So, what did you do when you found yourself in this kind of situation?
1: Actually, I was always, I was always getting angry, and then I realized I should not spend time either at the campus or. I should not spend time for all these university lessons at Juoli. Mm. I should do something meaningful at mm. So I will go to uh, go to uh, downtown areas of Yangon and go to the Book Street mm. and then get hold on the you know, a pencil uh, pencil, uh, uh, very old books, yeah, you know. Right. I bought a collection of Dickens that you were, <laughs> which were published in the light, in 19th century. Oh, uh, wow. 19th century in Bombay. Original uh, book. Yeah, original yeah, books wow. with, the, with all the leather, uh, stuff, yeah. et cetera. Oh. Uh, so uh, I I try, uh, you know, I collect uh, Morpissons, oh. check calls, oh. uh, toss tries, oh. et cetera, Because most of the books, most of the books those days, uh, either British or the Russian actually. In those days we have a lot of Russian influence ideologically mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. here in our country. Oh well, some great literature. Yeah. So I spent time, you know, I spent time uh, going through all these books actually. Actually I did not I did not manage uh, to understand actually. <laughs> but I never care. Mm. One thing flicker in my mind mm. understanding is understanding the content is not my job. Reading is my job. And that the same concept nouns in the meditation. Mm. Meditating is my job, whether there is progress or not, <laughs> whether I got enlightenment or mm. not. Mm. No.
0: So it's just putting in the effort. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Trying to observe the sila right. as much as possible. Mm. Trying to meditate, but. Correctly, as you in a correct way, right? Whether there is progress or not, right? So the same concept I can mm. apply, you know, mm. with all these books. Yeah, reading, trying to struggle with all these books, mm. uh, reading through these hundreds of pages of books. You know, when I, when and, what, I en-
0: and can I ask, what language were these books? Were these in English? Brneise? In English okay. English, okay. The Russian literature also in English. Yeah, yeah,
1: English. So, but I I started to understand, you know, all these things within. A matter of two years actually, mm. you know. You learn naturally actually, you know. The unconscious mind is absorbing actually. Mm. You're trying to you're trying to read carefully, even though you don't understand. You know, you're trying to you're trying to gorge actually, mm. you know, the contest actually. It was so difficult to read all these books. Mm. First, because of the language barrier. The second, you don't know the contest at all. Sure. At yeah. You don't know what's going on. Mm. You don't know the history, actually. Mm. You never learn the history yeah, in your n- no school. There's no way to find out. Uh, so it's so difficult.
0: Right. So from that time of being a young student to disappointed in um, not just the university education, but also in your contemporaries, um, from that point, somehow you got yourself into very difficult circumstances of eventually finding your way into a prison cell. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about um, how that journey took place.
1: So I was 19 and 20. It was in 2000. Uh, sorry, it was in 1997, 1998. Uh, I went to university in 1996. But a few months after, I, uh, you know, I, I was attending the university. The university were all shut down mm. because of the student protests, uh, in one of which I participated. And then two years later, on San Suu issued an ultimatum meeting Aung San, San Suu Kyi, her, her party issued an ultimatum saying that the military must convene the parliament based on the results of the 1990 elections, in which her party won the last night victory. They must convene uh, at the parliament, Based on the results, hmm. the particular elections that you were within a period of 45 days, and then she was holding solo hunger strikes on the Oscars of Yanko. So I wanted to support her, not because I'm a fan of hers or. I mean support our just just the different strands confronting each other. Mm-hmm. a woman confronting, you know an army of uh, three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand so mm-hmm. I just want to uh, support a weaker person mm-hmm. and then I found an opportunity to express my anger of everything actually, you know mm-hmm. all the circumstances I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know etc so i I was involved in a student protest, and then I was thrown into jail and sentenced to twenty one years. On three charges, the first charge is uh, breaking the national security act. Another is related with the printing and publishing, you know, law, etc bu- violating the printing and publishing act, etcetera, mm. because I was caught with some anti-government pamphlets at home actually during a raid by the military mm. intelligence mm. in 1998, uh, September actually. So and then I was sent to, I was sent to three different prisons. First, in in instant prison here in Yangon, and then later to Mandalay Prison, and then to Minjiang Prison. Hmm.
0: Right, all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. And what were those prison conditions like?
1: Uh, The first two years were very, uh, very horrible, actually, very horrible, yeah. In Ninjan Prison, where I was transferred in nine, 1999, April, mm-hmm. I was beaten at I was beaten mm. by a group of criminals mm. under, the, under the direct supervision of the prison officers at I was beaten like a dog. I was dragged to an um, open fee, uh, beaten at Beaten up, beaten up. So I, f- I came into contact. With the first serious Doka. Mm. Uh, doka, Doka, Doka. And then, oh, I am just 20. I am going to serve 21 years.
2: Mm.
1: <gasps> How can I survive? Mm. So, suicidal thoughts came to me. It is not because I was fed up with everything. I just thought I should not suffer, you know, for all these coming years like this, mm. at least mentally I can get out if I commit suicide. Right. So but I was not that bull enough uh, to commit such an act. I never thought it is also a right decision actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was I was stabbing actually. I was stabbing uh in those days, so much so that I felt like biting my own at you early. Mm. Oh, my type is here actually. Mm. You know? Why do I keep it actually? Mm. You know? Just the human instinct sure. of craving of something actually. Yeah. You know, when you when you were deprived of everything actually, you mm. know? And then uh, that was a very big, powerful experience. And then I started undergoing the process of soul searching actually. Mm. Soul searching. soul searching after yeah. one year. Nobody is beating you, sewing. Why are you, you know, wriggling, uh, you know, wriggling, you know, all alone? Mm. Now, you are just confined to a cell, but why are you suffering? You know, you just keep quiet, actually. I was reminding myself, actually, and then, yes, what is happening? Now, I have proper food. My family came, they give me some food. Now, I have food now, yes. A few weeks ago, I was stabbing. now I have a few uh, uh, you know some food now. I can survive now at least for a week. Mm-hmm. you know i I was not going starve at you early. so why do you keep grumbling at you early? you know, crying at you early? and then I realized not because I was being beaten, not because uh, I was uh, I was not having enough food, but because I was cut off access to the usual stimuli I was so familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I got thrown into jail, I was mm-hmm. very much attached to my radio, actually. Mm-hmm. Radio, uh, to all these, you know, mm-hmm. literature books, actually. Yeah. I was so much attached, actually. Mm-hmm. So so much attached. So these are only two types of stimuli mm-hmm. I was uh, de- uh, I was dependent upon, actually. Right. There was
0: no internet back at that time. Yeah,
1: so all these stimuli, you know, mm-hmm. I lost. Hmm. I lost at you, hmm. Early. Hmm. you are. I started telling myself, you are. You are suffering, not because you are being beaten that, hmm. not because you are not having good food, but because you are cut off your usual stimuli. Hmm. So, so I was shocked that what is the type of freedom I want? Hmm. The freedom I want is this outside at you early. So that is not the real freedom. That is not you, Because something outside, something external can be taken from you at any point mm. for for any reason, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. At any point of your life, that dependence, that type of dependence, that type of attachment is so fragile, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, okay, now I realize I was looking for not just for the democracy, not just for the liberty I have to find for the type of freedom by which I mean you will no longer Japan. anything outside outside of your mind and body your body and mind so this is the first thought which came to be after a year or so it's interesting because you're describing being in really difficult circumstances
0: and using kind of a thought process or thought experiment to investigate this cause of suffering and a way out of suffering but as you're doing this you don't uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you don't really have access to a Dhamma teacher. You don't have access to a therapist. You don't have access to any pen and paper or even a peer to have the discussions. You don't even have access to any Dhamma books at this time to be able to refer to. So it sounds like you're you're doing an entire Dhamma investigation, therapeutic, psychological investigation entirely on your own and, and coming out with this. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. Something very strange took place six months after I got thrown into jail. Mm-hmm. It was an insane. That's the name of the jail is insane. Yeah, insane, mm-hmm. insane. Insane prison. Yeah,
0: very notorious here.
1: Somebody was talking about the story of Long Siado, mm-hmm. uh, the Arhat mm-hmm. from, from the town of Mianjiang in Epam Myanmar. Somebody was talking about how Sunlong Siado reached enlightenment. Even though he was just a, uh, just a farmer. This is someone in the prison that's telling you this? Nice to me. Actually, okay, a fellow political prisoner. Okay, okay. So he was talking about that. And then I was so intrigued with the story. So, you know, and then I immediately went to the corner of my says, <laughs> and then I just sat down, mm. uh, cross like this is the first time. <laughs> this is the first meditative push up. Wow. And then, at that moment, mm. something very strange happened. Mm. Complete dissolution mm. took place immediately. Actually, Just, can you describe that experience of dissolution? I felt like I was in a gal- galaxy, mm. galaxy, mm. and then I hear the sound of all the activities within my physical body. Mm. Every every sound actually, even the smallest, uh, the, the movement of the smaller veins, I hear everything. So the type areas and the, the head area, the land area, bigger sounds. It's like a drum, you know, being played just next to me. Very loud s- sounds. They mm-hmm. are moving, actually, s- from side to side, actually, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the philosophy, when we were, you know, uh, the F- Buddhist philosophy we are familiar with uh, uh, since childhood was, you know, there is only one mind. When you are thinking about one thing, actually, you cannot think about another thing. But... At that moment, my mind has, like, millions of minds, mm, actually. Mm. You know, they are embedded. They are embedded with all these physical experiences, The awareness adually. is moving very yeah, fast, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So millions of minds are taking place, such emotions, actually. Mm. So I am aware of. And also, there is no something like uh, something fan. It's all broken, actually. You know, you are, like, in the galaxy, actually. Galaxy. It's very, uh, you know, just one or two moments actually. Mm. What happened? So that was the moment you sat down? Yeah, you sat down. Yeah. I, I just closed my eyes mm. and then this took place. Mm. And then I, op- I, my, I opened my eye very, clo- very quickly and then I, I question what happened? And how long had you been in prison at this point? Just six months. Okay. No meditation. Right. Before, ever before, ever in your life, yeah, ever before, n- right. not even anabana. Yeah, I did. I never knew about even anabana. Hmm. There was a few moments actually, mm-hmm. a few moments, and then I realized oh, there are many things in the insides. You know, I was always looking for something, something strange actually in the outside world. Hmm. I was always angry with the martial <laughs> regime because you know I was cut off communication to the outside world, hmm. so I don't know much about the outside world, you know. Uh, so my, my access to information has been denied. So I was so angry. Now I realize there are so many things inside. What's going on? Hmm. And then I asked uh, elderly persons in the prison, political prisoners in their 60s and 70s, something happened to me. Do you know what happened? You know, I have this experience. And then they said, they don't know actually. Hmm. So that's it. But I, 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 you know, I, I, did not practice anything actually. Only a year and a half later, actually, I got a very heated argument with a fellow political prisoner, just for the meaning of communism at, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a democracy, etc. You know. <laughs> right. So I, 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 got a, I got a argument. I got a heated argument with mm. him. I first, I was bullied. You know, mm. <laughs> just verbally bullied mm. by this. Mm. You know, he's a 3 times political prisoner. Mm. (laughs) You know, Mm. prison for three times, Mm -hmm. you know. So I felt like I was being bullied, actually. So I got a very, I got very angry with him. uh, So much truth that my blood was boiling over. Practically boiling over. Mm. And then I realized I must calm down. Mm. I must calm down. I must calm down. And then I already got some of my books by that time, you know. Mm the ICRC came in. Hmm. So through their negotiations with the- Who is this, the ICRC? uh, The International uh, Committee for the Red Cross. Right, so they were able to negotiate and provide
0: access to certain kinds of books. And how many years were you in prison before you had access to reading? In 2001 actually, so almost two years. So two years without any reading or writing materials. I think you had referenced before that it was um, prisoners who were caught with a pen and paper
1: had a greater punishment than those caught with a knife. Exactly. Yeah, during the first two years mm. at you, early, mm. you know, you any type of, any piece of paper is illegal at mm. Not just the paper, you know, They uh, we were allowed to keep like a few clothes and then some food, etc. Anything besides this item is illegal. So one, my family came, uh, they bring snacks. The, all these nerds, they have this logo and uh, that's the logo with the paper actually they will always take out oh, actually right so that the political prisoner are cannot communicate right. with each other but we do communicate actually uh-huh. you know we we write on the we write something on the plastic pants a uh-huh. uh, plastic uh, uh plastic place actually uh-huh. you know uh-huh. I don't know how do you use you know in, in our country uh, people chew Peter uh-huh. so they use lie actually you know uh-huh. a white color right. so so from the people who who uh, who chew, you know who who make bitter, uh-huh. uh, we borrow line and then pieces actually, uh-huh. you know, uh, use the uh, to on the on the plaster plates, uh-huh. and then you can use a uh, some sort of uh, small bamboo stick to write something actually. Mm-hmm. So you can still communicate actually. Right. But right. I think we are just like fools actually. We are just trying to stimulate each other uh. because we don't have anything. Huh. Uh, internally, uh, something tangible we can depend on actually. Mm. So, we are just trying to uh, stimulate with each other in those days actually. Right. So, in 2001, I see, uh, you know, th- uh, thanks to ICRC's efforts, uh, we were allowed to read just only the Ma books. Mm. The Ma books with the logo of the Ministry of Religious Affairs, mm. none other the books actually, mm. you, you know. <laughs> so, only with a sea right. of the C of there, you know. Uh, uh, logo, see and logo of the Ministry of Religious Affairs because in most of these marbles, you have the approval, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, this is the license number or, you know, right. uh, approval, approval number from the Ministry of Religious Affairs. Right. Only these type of religious books were allowed at Right. I managed to, you know, read those books at for the first three or four years at So that was good at mm-hmm. I could not read any any other book at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I spent time I was forced, actually, to read these Dhamma books, and Abiduma and mm-hmm. sometimes even Vinaya, etc. So that it was so boring, all these <laughs> books, you know? Without yeah. real meditative experience, right. it was so boring. You cannot understand. Right. Did you yeah. begin to practice based on these
0: books or based on your first experience so that was that was so powerful?
1: Actually, after my argument with the fellow political prisoner, and then I realized I must practice meta-meditation. Mm. And then I found myself full of anger. Mm. How can I practice mitta? And then something flicker. I managed to improvise something actually. Mm-hmm. According to the Tamabos, you cannot practice mitta meditation if you have anger or iwi. But I cannot accept that. I cannot accept that. I have no other meditation technique to come out of anger. So I must do something. And then I saw some uh, vocabularies in the Dhammapos. It's called aloba amoha ah, Lova is the greed hmm. yeah. anti you know no, non greek mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the buddha does not preach just about the uh, uh, greed or you know uh, anger he also talk about the values of non non uh, 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 greek yeah. no uh, no anger yeah. you know no hatred yeah no hatred and mitta might be uh, <laughs> synonymous but they are not the same actually right, you, right. you know yeah. sometimes you cannot start with the, with the love mm. with the pure love mm. so you have to you have to start with a lower level mm, no, sure. anger, yeah. no anger no yeah. anger you know uh, no Greek actually uh. Uh, so I found okay I have full of anger so I must turn it around okay I am not suffering I am uh, I am suffering from confinement I am suffering from starvation. I am suffering from anger so I am having all these miseries, all the people in the outside world or in, in the prison, may they be free from the suffering I am now undergoing. Mm. May they be free from the anger mm-hmm. which is afflicting me. Anger is so intense. Mm, I imagine. So intense. So may they be free from this type of anger. Mm. May they be free from, uh, may, may they not be the people who, you know, who inflict mental injury and physical injury on individuals, mm. other individuals. Because they will get a lot of problems, actually. Now I am suffering because somebody put me to jail, actually. Mm. So I realize about all these pains, actually. So may, may they not be the people who does misery to others or who receives the misery from others, actually. May they be free from all the miseries and the going. You know, with the tears, Falling, occasionally fall, falling from my eyes, actually. May they be free. May they be free. And then something flicker. Hmm. I must do this around the clock. Hmm. Around the. I have nothing else to, sure, to sure. do, actually. Yeah. You know, I have nothing else to do. Hmm. Just a few of book, you know, I have read over and over again. <laughs> sure. So, you know, I have no, no other food, you know. Hmm. So I must do this. I have no appointment, nobody to talk with. So I must do this day and night as long as my eyes are open Mm. my practice must continue continue actually when I have food I must mentally think that people have access to food Mm. like me Mm. so etc when I sleep oh I am not beaten today actually like a year ago Mm -hmm. people get a chance to sleep like this Mm. you know I miss my family members I miss my mother I I started feeling pain people liberated from their separation with the loved ones. And then after two or three days, my I am physically overwhelmed with love. Hmm. I feel you know the Munjan is so hot actually. It's a very tropical area actually. Sure. They are a few very Low rainfall actually, you know, during the rainy season, so the heat was so intense actually. Mm-hmm. But at the peak of my meta, actually, I felt like I have air conditioner, air conditioner, mm-hmm. air conditioner, very small and powerful air conditioners install all the pores of my skin actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I felt like I was put in a vacuum actually, vacuum, you know. Mm-hmm. <gasps> They are following mm. me, mm. they are following me. As long as I am with Mita, actually. You know, I am in a very cool atmosphere. I started feel enjoying all the pleasant, oh. pleasant sensations, actually. Uh-huh. And then, when I fall asleep, it's like a few, huh. a few minutes, huh. even though it's, the sleep is as long as eight hours. Mm. And then I realize about the meaning of sleep. If we have mental problems, if our Sila is not pure. Even if our Sila is pure, if our mandate, mandate defines continue to exist, we cannot have proper sleep. Mm. Because they disturb us, you know, every time, actually, whenever possible, actually. Mm-hmm. They, they are disturbing us at the very deep level of the unconscious mind, actually. Mm. They are, now, you know, uh, having a sleep is like walking through a very clean, you know, uh, uh, very clean, I would say, uh, grassy lawn, you know, a lawn actually, you know. It's a proper lawn, proper, proper, well-maintained lawn, actually, very clean. You just walk through the lawn. Mm-hmm. It's like 50 feet. You walk through the lawn, and other people walk through the same area, but all the meddy, you mm-hmm. know, filled with all these stones and spice, and, you know, maybe snakes and poisons. So the same area, mm-hmm. you know. People across, the, you name it, this area, this is your area, mm-hmm. this is your area. We passed through this this area, but I passed through very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you were in Mianjian. This is in the Jian. hometown of yeah, Sunun yeah. Lun Seida, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So um, then after how many years into your prison did you start this intensive metta practice? Uh,
1: in 2001. Mm-hmm. In 2001.
0: And from that time, did
1: you continue every day? Uh, I continue, but I... I became obsessed with the Dhamma, actually. Mm. And then I realized Anapana should be the main base, the main base of all the meditation techniques. Mm-hmm. My, my concentration became very strong mm. with the Mita. And then really, really through both. And then I felt just the necessity to sit down, actually. Mm. Early. You know, during my Mita meditation practice, I always walking up and down, up and down even though my concentration became stronger and stronger. But I thought, I need a sitting pusha. Mm. For that, Anapana should be the most conducive, actually. Mm-hmm. So I practiced. I began to practice Anapana as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very deep level of concentration I got. But after two years, I have I started having problems. Mm. How did you st- learn how to practice Anapana? Just by reading or
0: trial and error or experimentation? Just reading. Mm-hmm. Just reading. Was there a particular Sayada or Dhamma teacher that you were doing? No, following?
1: no. Mm. So... Uh, you know, numerical observation, mm. you know, uh, uh the breath going and go out. Mm. I say one, mm. you know, mm. and then uh, you, you say from you count from one to nine, mm. so right after nine, you, you uh, another round, right? From Sounds one to nine is that Lady Sarah? No, I just, I, I just found it actually, okay. I, I don't remember, okay, so so it's so easy, but you begin to actually. Uh, feel all the sensations. Mm. But I don't know what is the sensation. Sure, sure. Sensation at all. Right. But I felt like, you know, you know, my concentration is like, it's a threat, mm. it's a threat. Uh, being dragged through a pillow, actually. Mm. Uh, pillow, mm. you know. I, I sometimes I saw my mother, you know, uh, she is stitching at the pillow, actually, you know. So, you can imagine, you know, inside the pillow, mm. This stuff, I don't know how to call it in mm-hmm. English as you mm-hmm. know, the stuffing and uh, stuffing, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. You know, so you take it out. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, little like by that. little, thread by and thread. Yeah, I felt like my heart is bloating mm-hmm. and going into different direction, mm-hmm. and then my chain is going down into you know, uh, going down, and then I have to control, you know, uh, so that my meditation does not. Get damaged by all these very intense meditation that you were. No, intense sensation actually. Sure. You know, yeah. intense sensation. I felt like I have no longer breath actually. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> to take it actually. You know, I felt like uh, oh, my abdomen is getting lengthened actually. Mm-hmm. Like you know? maybe three feet or five feet. Oh, maybe I
0: satra Mm. So it sounds. I mean, it's incredible. It sounds like for for years, day after day, you're doing yeah. this intensive meditation practice, yeah. without any teacher, without any other fellow meditator, without anyone to report, without even really knowing what your methodology is. You're you're just reading this. Um, um, you know, you're reading the Dhamma books you have that aren't necessarily meditation guides. They're they're, they're more these very yeah. technical. You know. Um, yeah. Kinds of literature about vinya and, and other things, and you're just trying to piece together by yourself in your jail cell how to form a practice out of it, and then when the results come and you're having these experiences you don't understand, you're having to be your own island and, and finding a way to continue.
1: I I felt like I was going to be crazy, mm. going to be crazy. I found the power of the concentration. Mm. I felt like my eye became scanner. Mm-hmm. It's a real scanner. So, if I'm a book, I made a determination that my concentration should not move from one word to another. So I I play with my I started playing actually, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. my meditation. I started Mm -hmm. craving Mm -hmm. from the for the power of well craving uh, for the power of concentration. And I made a determination that my concentration must be undivided concentration, going from one word to another. And at the end of the at the end of the page, I should be able to memorize everything. Mm. So, I I preserve that sort of concentration at one point. Mm. At one point. Wow. So so I was in a delirium actually. Wow. Delirium. And then I was always uh, looking at my meditation place, which which is made with my blanket actually. Mm-hmm. I always looking oh at my. I wanted to go there all the time actually. Mm. All the time. And then, at one point, you know, within five minutes or a few minutes after I sit down, I have the high, very high concentration. Mm. But at one point, no concentration. Mm. What happened? Sure, it's changing. And then, I try to force myself mm. to concentrate. The stronger the force, I study have a bigger problem. Sure,
0: yeah.
1: Bigger problem. Where is my concentration? Uh-huh. Where is my concentration? And then, oh, if I cannot concentrate, I will continue to meditate. Another hour, another hour, four hours, three hours, okay through all the night. Mm. And then at one point I s- exploded. I, I, I collapsed actually. You, <laughs> you know, mm. at the meditation place actually. Mm. And then I started crying. Why should I play with all this meditation? This is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me, Don't do meditation. This is very dangerous. You will go crazy, mm. you know, if you don't meditate uh with the guidance of a teacher, mm-hmm. I don't care, do actually. Mm. Now, my friend's suggestion is now proven true. You see the value I'm going crazy. Yeah. You know, I even it's mentally insulted Buddha, actually. Mm. And then, I try, I tried. I regained, restore my concentration. But very strong Sankara, at the time, I don't know what is Sankara, came up to the surface. I wanted to keep people with the shepherd materials. Mm. Somebody walked in front of myself with a spade. And then I just imagine I ran to the person and then killed him with a spade. Mm. Somebody walked just empty handed in front of myself. That person and myself is separated by a buff wire. Then the imagination came out that I took out the buff wire and I killed him actually. And then I walk up and down in my cell, I cannot walk because I felt like I was walking on the house of Buddha,
2: mm.
1: Buddha. Whenever, you know, I, uh, I am I made peace actually, mm. oh, I cannot walk. Mm. I cannot. What happened? What happened? Oh, my middle meditation is gone. My anapana meditation is gone. I started pouring through my dhamma bowls. Mm. What are the consequences for these mm. bad thoughts actually? Mm. Am I going to hair? Mm. S- and then, so how did you get out of that? And then I try uh, another f- form of meditation called Katina. Atika or Katina. Right. It's called uh, just scanning your all your bones actually. I, I realized maybe I a so I might be so attached with the you know, with with the concentration. So so the I got an understanding of the real nature of this, this body framework. I should practice, you know, this uh, this meditation technique called, you know, just observation of all your bones actually. Mm-hmm. Early, you know, all your bones. So this is the first. This is the. Uh, this this may be the first entry into reverse now because you first start, start scanning mm. just your bones actually. Early. Right. You know, I I I scan all these bones and uh-huh. etc. And then stay all these. You know, sankaras came, and uh, I try to force out all these things, and then at one point, uh, I found in a, in the book that, you know, just this word, neglect. Don't give importance. Neglect. Yeah, neglect. Yeah, yeah. Don't give importance. Uh-huh. If you give importance, they will get stranded. Mm. Do your work, mm. because they are they are also they also have the nature of impermanence mm. I found that and mm. then I realized okay I would no longer care about about all these thoughts you know mm. but that this is a certain Buddha or any other person right or, so and then, a rising I, I, passing I, yeah. this is not I so then, how many hours a day are you meditating at this point uh, just three hours mm. at you early mm. but you know when I was in throes of all these mm. mental problems sure, sure. I will meditate like four or five but I will always uh take uh uh, take a mm. every Tuesday or Wednesday at, ju- mm. at least once a week or two days a week mm. and then on those days I will meditate as much as possible actually. Mm. Ju- you right. know? And possible. Right. So
0: you carried on this regimen until the end of your prison years? Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So from 2001 up until 2005 when I got released in a general NST. So in 2003 and 2004, I knew that I was, going to, I'm, I was going to be released even though I was serving a 21-year mm-hmm. GCNMS because some of my friends were already released in a in an NST actually in a previous NST so I might be released in an NST but I felt like I don't want to go out Oh, I don't want to go out now I have all these you know very interesting experiences oh. actually I am in two minds actually I want to I want to get liberated mm-hmm. you know from the prison but at the same time all these experiences were kept quickly you know you know uh, and am I and there and then you know and the did do war actually you mm-hmm. know and then so I should I should hold on mm-hmm. how can I how can I keep holding all these experiences actually you know after I get out of mm-hmm. the prison, one part of my myself I don't want to go mm-hmm. I don't want to get out mm-hmm. I, this is so good actually now I I became used to the uh, prison life as well, actually, you know. Mm. So I managed to adopt m- adapt myself to the conditions of prison life as well. And I also found the good experience of meditation as well. So one part of my master, I don't want to go. Mm. I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So nothing is mean- meaningful in the outside world, whether firms of the same age, you know, go to foreign countries or get this degree or that degree. I don't care, actually. I haven't, you know, I I, I have a very, very wonderful experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had Alan Clements on
0: the podcast last week and he spoke about the role of Dhamma practice in Myanmar specifically, uh, how it's different from in Myanmar here, Uh, than the intensive retreats uh, in other more stable countries. So for example, someone living in a stable life in a free society, of course, they're going to be challenged during a Vipassana course to confront their greed, their hatred, delusion, and this is not a light matter, of course. However, uh, this is really nothing compared to someone undertaking a Dhamma practice whose own freedom, safety, home, and family can all be taken away. Uh, you've certainly undertaken your own meditation practice in very difficult conditions and environment. And so I'm curious what your view is on this and how the practice might take a different shape in these difficult circumstances versus the typical very safe retreat setting.
1: I do not have a clear answer because uh, if you see people who meditate in, in, in tribal countries have a greater opportunity to develop their Dhamma. I think it should be misleading actually. Mm-hmm. Or be misleading people, you know, uh, uh, who who have access to the you know proper rule of law, education, etc. They they don't stand a good chance of developing dama. It's also I think a wrong theory actually. Mm-hmm. You know, wrong theory. Uh, there are pros and cons. I would say actually, uh, for me. Uh, growing up here in this country, uh, I, maybe I can fully appreciate, uh, strongly appreciate the aspects of Dukkha. Dukkha. Because this is the first label. Without the full, without the understanding, proper understanding or greater understanding of, without full understanding of the Dukkha, we cannot get, we cannot reach the liberation, mm-hmm. the liberation point at all. Actually, mm-hmm. the greater appreciation of the doka, the the nearer we become. Actually, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to the final goal. Actually, you mm-hmm. know, if we combine that right. with the with the with the practice. Mm-hmm. Actually, so here we are in a greater position, definitely. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for example, just f- a few months ago, I was struggling with the hair problems that you were I felt like I was on the verge of death at early. You know, I, I felt like I was go- I, I was about to die at you early. About about to die. I, I didn't have uh proper access to uh head care here mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. So and then just three weeks ago somebody trying to kill me at early during one of my family trips in Rakhine State at early I was shot. Uh, in my luck actually oh goodness in my luck just just three weeks ago actually I survived actually Uh you know somebody trying to kill me actually so life is seems to be so fragile yes or precarious in this country so you can appreciate the Dukkha also you can appreciate you know uh, the nature of karma actually you know karma you know For anything to happen, there must be some cause actually, you Mm -hmm. know. So that that understanding, you know, so is deeply can be deeply entrenched, you know, for 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 us actually in this kind of country. I've been uh, to developed countries like Germany, Sweden, United States, uh, other countries actually. I think my imagination is if I get an opportunity to live. I spend the rest of my life there, I will have a better opportunity, I think so, to meditate. Because you don't get disturbed mm. by, you know, by all the troubles of your life, actually. You know, you have the dilemma, mm. the greatest dilemma. facing Many people here in this country is, I mean, meditator is, sometimes you want to devote yourself to the meditation, mm-hmm. But you cannot keep silent once something bad is going on actually. Mm-hmm. If your pride is very strong, if you are a meditation label, if your pride is very mature, you can go with actually, mm. you know, in a quiet way, in a meaningful way. But before we came that level of maturity, you know, mm. we are at a jamshim, very painful jamshim mm. actually, you know. Mm. I don't want to have that dilemma actually. I want to be fully with Tamar actually, mm. you know? let the Dhamma take its course, But I cannot, you know, let the Dhamma take its course mm-hmm. sometimes. Not because I I, I lack confidence in Dhamma, but because you know I haven't reached the majority in the Dhamma actually, you know. Mm. So this is the problem. When there is a political turbulence I cannot keep quiet. I want to do something actually, you know? Uh, I, I felt like that my meta is not you know, not enough. Right. Yeah, because your Mitta is not strong, mm-hmm. you are definitely free, it is not enough. Mm. When your middah is really strong, you are free, it is enough. Mm. Mm.
0: You know? So then after your prison, you came out, and I understand that eventually you took up practice at Vipassana centers in the tradition of SN Goenka. Um, where did you hear about these centers, and how did you find your initial experience?
1: Yeah, my my brother is... Also, a old student of car mm-hmm. so once I got out, actually, I went to the nearest temples and pagodas uh, in my town to meditate every morning. Mm-hmm. Because this is a Bami's house, you have no privacy at <laughs> right, all. Right, right. This is good actually for many yeah. purposes actually. You know. Yeah. So, but the bad thing is you have no meditation place, mm. and then you feel embarrassed. You feel shame here in our country. You know, if you are married there, mm. you know, at a young age, mm-hmm. if we, you know, I don't want to insult the elderly people mm. in, in the family, actually, you know. So I go out to some secluded temples and pagodas mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. And then my, my brother, who is the old student of Goenga, saw that. And then he took me to the uh, Tamajoti mm. Goenga Center. And then once I read about the cause. I said, this is what I've been looking for. Mm, yeah. This is this is exactly what I've been looking for. Mm. I will be completely fine, actually. Mm. You know? How soon after being released did
0: you take your course?
1: I took the course in September, actually. Mm. I was released in July.
0: Oh, five? Yeah, yeah.
1: four five. So just several months? Yeah. So was, I, I took the course goals. that was the most powerful cause yeah. one of the most powerful one of one of the f- very powerful causes mm. I have taken so far actually you know mm. I yeah because of the uh, anapana meditation meta meditation in Prism, mm. I managed to Assembly, like, educated. It's interesting because it sounds like you were
0: doing a lot of the components of the Goenka-ji yeah. technique, yeah. but you didn't really know the order, you couldn't really make sense of your experience, you didn't really know how to interpret what was happening to you, but you had all the pieces just organically. So it sounds like when you went into a a, a passionate course in the tradition of SN Goenka and you were learning that systematically, I imagine it must have not seemed so unfamiliar.
1: Yeah, it's like, a you know, uh, fit a heavy young man, mm. uh, uh, joining an army at you early. Mm. You're ready, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. accept the courses. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, you you, you don't have to prepare yourself. You mm. don't have to spend time preparing yourself at you early. Mm. You're ready mm. to accept all the, all these intense mm. exercises. You're ready at early. Mm. I instantly appreciate the intensity. That's what I need. Mm. The complete up That's what I need. Mm. The intensity. That's what I need at early. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that set you on the path
1: yeah, path of continuing yeah, yeah. to practice for yeah, 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 yeah. and going to so, tradition. Yeah, and then I found this is the technique mm. which I will practice for the rest of my life. Mm. I will not change. Mm. Even Mita mm-hmm. should be the secondary. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. right. So this is th- because I never reached the area of wisdom. Mm. You know, inside, Sure. Insight. I was playing with sila, mm. smarty uh-huh. but never reach the the proper of wisdom mm-hmm. actually. You, you know, mm-hmm. and it was those Vipassana uh, courses uh, yeah, that uh, brought you to that yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you realize how the purifications, you know, process mm. takes place actually. You, mm. you never realize. But in the prison, when I, when my concentration is very strong, and the, I started playing with the mindfulness actually. Okay, you know, if I touch something, I try to, I don't, I don't, un- I didn't understand about the, about the sensation. I just trying to understand about the nature of the activities actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, I touch it. Now, I let it go. Mm-hmm. So, this is impermanent. Mm-hmm. And then, at one moment, some explosion took place. Trust mm-hmm. It's like something being banned actually outside, mm-hmm. physically outside actually. Mm-hmm. Something banned actually, mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. Inside, mm-hmm. something banned. So I began to understand how the banning of the old staff mm-hmm. you know? The burning of the old stock of old Sankara. Step, sankara takes yeah. mm-hmm. place actually. Right. And then how the new Sankara are also formed. This was during yeah, the Passion yeah, right. of oh, I, I realized, oh, Right I have so many, so mm. many, mm. so many. Either I realize I will be stay in a position to create so many Sankara's. Mm. So many new Sankara's. Mm. So the same Sankara, which has the same characteristics, they will resonate, they all and new. Mm. Well, they will, will resonate with each other, and they will develop, mm. they were formed right. you know, into another label. So I realized, I, uh, you know, I understood all these things actually. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. That's wonderful. So Of course, living as a Burmese person in the golden land, you're growing up in the birthplace of this tradition and where the lineages have been maintained. So, I'm curious, being someone like yourself, who is so detail-oriented, you know, reading British literature, being a journalist now, and very intellectually curious as well, uh, what did, after you started practicing this Vipassana and the tradition of SN Goenka, what did you then learn about these figures in the lineage, about the tradition, about the meditation that was all taking place in your homeland?
1: I, I felt very, I feel very fortunate, hmm. even to IST Burmese. Hmm. because, I've been to so many monasteries actually. I met many dhamma passels, mm. but I never appreciate. Mm. <laughs> I rarely appreciate until you, know? you took the course. Yeah, yeah I right. so I can easily get. I can. I can easily get drown. Mm. You know, in the shallow. You know, philosophy and practices, misguided pride. I can get easily. You know. Because there are thousands of oceans, actually. Mm, in, in this country, yeah. In this country. Right. And then you get the right one. Right. So I feel very fortunate, right. actually, as yeah. much as the foreign yogis, actually. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. very fortunate. Mm. You know, I went to Bogoda, I went to monastery with my family mm-hmm. on the holy days. Mm. I never feel, you know, I, I always feel, sorry, something is lacking. Right. What is lacking? Right. You know? Just felt like an yeah. outer shell of yeah. religion or something. Yeah. There is always a feeling of uh, dissatisfaction. Mm, mm. Something is going wrong. Mm. You know? Something is misplaced actually. Mm. And those vipassion of yeah. courses gave you yeah. that yeah. substance you're yeah, looking yeah. for. Yeah. So just in the name of Dhamma, so many bad things, you know, mm. can, take right. can take place. Right. Sometimes people have a right confidence, right understanding, but they are just playing actually you, you know with all all these things at a shallow level actually mm-hmm. so what well, the most important thing is the practice actually mm-hmm. the practice sometimes here he in your country you see oh th- this person has been a monk or this person has been a meditator for thirty years mm. for forty years mm. and that you feel obliged to pay respect to him, mm. to listen to his whole lecture, you know. <laughs> so, after taking Koin Kakos, I feel like I'm liberated mm. <laughs> from mm. all these miseries and doubts, uh, you know. Yeah. I'm liberated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can distinguish, uh, you know, whether this is a real Dama passing or right. not, whether this right. is a real, you know, Dama uh, philosophy, Dama understanding or not, mm. you know. Some people say, "Oh, take this course. Mm-hmm. You know, go go and listen." Mm-hmm. So, you know, but you're satisfied where you I are. I'm satisfied. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, very very fortunate. Yeah. So you don't. I don't feel obliged to pay respect to any wrong person actually mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what sort of you know honorary titles they mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. no matter how many years they've been mm-hmm. in this tradition or in this association. Right. So,
0: the. You've never been one for titles. Yeah, yeah, you, weren't, yeah, yeah. you weren't one for the certificate yeah. at your university, yeah. and yeah. I, yeah. I never care. Right, right, right. It's just the uh, wisdom uh, yeah. that it yeah, sounds yeah. like you're after.
1: Because yeah. Buddha, or any erhad, you know, Buddha never got any degree actually. Mm-hmm. He, you know, never got Buddha did not, did not depend on any or anything actually. Mm-hmm. He very much dependent on himself actually. Mm-hmm. In many cases, the pride is really given importance actually. Mm-hmm. Instead, theory and um, you know, historic understand uh, historic, not no history. Sorry, sorry. This sushi class, uh, etc. They are sushi standing. You know, they are always given huge importance in this country. Mm-hmm. So
0: and this Vipassana practice yeah, kind of taught you yeah. to to look for the wisdom and yeah. the authority inside,
1: and also to have a hmm. uh, to have a uh, simple and. Uh, clear aptitude mm-hmm. towards all, the, all these issues actually, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you got to grapple with all these things actually, you mm-hmm. know, all these religious issues, religious passing in this country. Mm. Now, you know how to tackle. Mm-hmm. So this is the biggest gift, one, mm. one of the biggest one of the gifts I gave from the Vivasana actually, mm. you know. Mm.
0: Mm. Right. So. Burma is a complicated country. It's a difficult recent history combined with a rich meditative tradition that has inspired mindfulness movements all around the world from some of the great teachers and traditions that have gone. A question I often get from meditators is why there is is not more peace in a country where so many people are at the forefront of pursuing inner peace. So there's this kind of contradiction. So what is your answer to this? Why is there such instability in a country where for so long people have tried to attain the greatest mental inner stability?
1: Uh, this clearly shows, uh, you know, it is not enough just to be proud of, mm. you know, uh, uh, to receive or to have received the teachings of Buddha. Mm-hmm. You know, pride is not enough at all. Mm. You know, pride can easily begin. Actually, mm-hmm. Even a actually, actually, a problem, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in our daily life, mm-hmm. yeah, even in the society, actually. I was asked this question, this type of question, actually, mm-hmm. many times. Yeah, me know? too. Many times. So, the simple thing is because of the, this assumption that these people are Buddhists, mm-hmm. so this is their misassumption, mm-hmm. you know, mis- n- misconception.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People in the Bahama, majority of the, you know, they tradition are traditional Buddhists. That's why they are Buddhists. So that's why they are supposed to, uh, supposed to be practicing. You know all these practices. Mm. So this is the misconception. Mm. You know, uh, misconception. Right. Of the people in the outside world, actually. Mm, you mm. know, like okay, America, majority of people are Christians. So that's why they must. Practice like this or like that. Mm. So this is the misconception, the misconception just is that the, mi- just the, the, the Burmese yeah. you're, you're saying that the majority,
0: yeah. majority of Burmese Buddhists are not practicing I would say, in a way that would bring in would inner say, wisdom, is that yeah, what you
1: yeah. mean to say? Is that is that the actually right. I would say I would say. Mm. I would say you know, rites and rituals, you know, mm. uh play a greater role, mm. you know, in the day to day life actually, mm. you know. Sometimes even in a in a very dangerous way actually, mm. you know, if you perform this rite then that's ritual, you're against this and that, etc. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, even though we have a, this great uh, Buddhist heritage, actually, we haven't exploited that, you know, to the, to, to the greatest advantage, actually,
0: mm. uh, so for ourselves. So, as Myanmar continues to open and become more stable, what role do you think Vipassana meditation can play in this process?
1: I think, you know, uh these uh, superior ideas are also can be found you know in any sort of uh, good political system actually mm-hmm. for example, you know, in a country where there is less corruption, it means that people have greater silah mm-hmm. mm, sure you know, greater integrity actually right right so 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 these uh, social and political system can strengthen the spiritual practices, actually, mm. you know, spiritual Sub- practices. Mm-hmm. So they are, they, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, they were, so if we have a better political system, so people will be in a greater position, you know, to immense their self mm-hmm. and, and the practices in a proper way. So when you have a great level of poverty, mm-hmm. when you have, when you have, Uncle shows. How can you imagine about meditation practice? Right, right. Practice. So you're so, saying
0: that the society needs to reach some level of stability yeah, exactly, and yeah. and uh, lack of corruption exactly. in order for there to be a, exactly. enough stability for v- the passionate practice to exactly. take off among exactly. the people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, And last question, Um, you know, there could be very peaceful meditators who have very little social awareness or interest in greater society. There can also be activists whose minds are frankly a mess, even though they're trying to make positive change in the world around. So you've been in both these worlds. You've been in the world of uh, inner peace and practicing gaining wisdom yourself in in, um, meditation. And you've also been looking at the bigger picture of political systems and what's needed to make a stable society. And I'm struck by one phrase I I read that you had made before. You, You said, quote, I started soul searching. I shouldn't have been angry that much. Freedom of expression became less important to me than freedom from anger, freedom from destruction, freedom from repentance, freedom from dilemmas. I wanted a peaceful and strong state of mind. As long as my mind is weak, I cannot do anything. I found, more va- I found values more important than any p- political ideology. So I'm wondering, how does one combine mental stability with also pursuing an outer stability of the country?
1: Political prisoners, former political prisoners like me, and also the current activists, we have the desire you know, to strive for a better society. Mm. But if we forgot, about the importance of purifying ourselves, you know, it will be like like a crazy man mm. uh, with a dirty coat, mm-hmm. with a very dirty coat, mm. And then that person wandering in a very crowded area and say, oh, I want to hear, I want to hear. But everybody gets frightened because if dirty goat are too early, Mm. You know, you pollute the entire area, Mm. (laughs) and then you say, I want to hear, I want to hear. Mm, Right, right, (laughs) right, I get it. We we cannot, we don't need to wait until we have, we begin our heart Mm. to hear the society. Mm. But we need a certain level of purity Mm. and maturity to hear others. Without that baseline, we are just, we're just trouble, actually, the people. If we cannot have ourselves, how can we hear others? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the biggest problem will be your sila. If you don't have proper sila, how can you hear others? Mm-hmm. For example, if you do an NGO, mm-hmm. then you will start stealing. Or if you don't steal, you will start misusing, mm-hmm. misappropriating mm-hmm. for uh, for less concrete, you know, reasons actually. Mm-hmm. So so y- y- so you are not helping the society at you really?
0: right. See so, yeah, Aju is a great example yeah. of someone who is the master of both worlds, who is yeah. also heading yeah. four departments simultaneously in the government yeah. while running a meditation exactly. center as well. Yeah. So that is possible.
1: So you know I I read the biographies of revolutionaries at you you mm-hmm. know? Uh who fought against the British colonialism or who fought against the, you know, the Dutch colonialism, etc. Mm-hmm. Most of these revolutionaries have begun to date us, actually. Have, have what? T- to us, you know, after the independence, actually. Uh-huh. After the Second World War, uh-huh. you know, all the colonized countries uh-huh. gay independence. Uh-huh. The, the individuals, who took part in the re- revolutionary wars mm-hmm. against the you know uh, colonizers mm-hmm. they begin to the they become
0: dictators yes dictators as you right they right. begin the,
1: most of them begin to dictators as you that's very right even the worst dictators that mm-hmm. the, the former colonizers as you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is the biggest lesson, actually. as mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so we want we want to fight the monster you know in our in the village mm-hmm. or in our town mm-hmm. Just because we hate him, actually. Mm. But not because uh, we w- uh, n- not because we want to be the society or the community mm. with a greater values. Mm. You can, you cannot just tolerate, mm. you know, the abuses, you know, against you, actually, you know, carried out against you by the monster, actually. Mm-hmm. You cannot just t- tolerate. You mm. feel so much anger, actually, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the monster. That's mm-hmm. why you, you are re mm-hmm. Not because you, you want to you want to, uh, you want to be the society with the, with the different, you know, mm-hmm. proper goals actually. Right. So you fight a monster, you will definitely become a monster. Become actually. the monster, uh, right. Monster. So you. So that's not my philosophy. Mm. Maybe it's the philosophy of Nishi or, or etc. Mm. you know, so I like that philosophy, mm. you know, everybody has the potential to become a monster. So I feel like, yeah, oh, right. we are the teachers in mm-hmm. our own small ways, mm-hmm. but we stay do not have the opportunity right. to begin the, di- the, uh, the most powerful to If we get those conditions,
0: who knows what con- we'll do. Yeah, what so we'll you're do. saying that we might make a major change to the outside world, yeah. but the inside world stays the same. And so yeah. actually, even if the outer world changes in terms of political structures and everything else,
1: yeah.
0: the same inner methodology that hasn't been worked on will just keep repeating itself. Yeah. And that's why the wisdom yeah.
1: and the shiva sure. are important no matter what sort of political system you have, Mm. Chinese or, you know, US, Mm. the sila Mm. is indispensable. Mm -hmm. Completely out of question, actually. Right. And the integrity, the integrity, non-Greek, actually. You Mm. cannot be greedy too much, actually, you know, Mm. if you're a government or if you're a government leader, actually. Mm -hmm. So these, and compassion, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, compassion, karuna, and also sila, morality. Mm. These should be our our companions every day actually mm-hmm.
0: you know, no matter what our position
1: but a uh, mandate or yeah. you know superman actually right. without this barely, how can you hurt the society mm-hmm. how can you hurt uh, yourself if you are just alone, it's all right mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. but the more power you have, you know you are in a you are in a in a position actually you mm-hmm. know greater position to hand without this be the society without these values, mm. that you are. And in a
0: country like Myanmar where these these meditative traditions and knowledge as you've just said, knowledge of Sheila, which d- doesn't exist in a lot of other countries, knowledge of 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 wisdom and the correct way to act, in a country like this where this th- this knowledge is so understood by so many people, do you see this being applied by by people who are
1: in positions to apply it? Yeah, I d- I think so, you know, but not at the society level. Mm. You know? I think uh, in countries with a better political system actually, with a better governance, mm. I think you know, intentionally or unintentionally, they 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 install this idea of sila mm-hmm. in their system actually. Right, right. So you cannot say that majority of the Burmese have the greater sila mm-hmm. than those in the US or the, you know mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay yeah okay we're we're good we'll just one last line let's so uh, d-
1: uh, do you know the family my family is, is that, is that your family yeah, yeah, yeah okay
0: okay so let, let's just end it here so yeah, yeah, um yeah. so uh we just want to thank you so much for joining us really appreciate the time coming and wish the best of luck with everything you have coming up hope that we can talk again sometime later on and it was just great to see you and thanks for sharing these words
1: thank you very much Josh. yeah,
0: yeah Josh. Okay. okay okay thank you thank you We want to present a special opportunity for donors who are committed to the life of our show. While we greatly appreciate donations of any and every size, larger donations are particularly helpful. For that reason, we are encouraging donors with means to consider sponsoring a full episode for a one-time donation of $350 or more. Donations in this category can include a dedication, if you'd like, to family members or Dhamma friends, a Dhamma quotation by the Buddha or meditation teacher, even a short phone interview we can include in the episode allowing your voice to be heard. Or your generous donation can be anonymous, should you wish to keep your name private, the choice is yours. In any case, such a generous donation would also give you the satisfaction of knowing that you enabled at least one more episode to be produced for the benefit of all the other listeners on the path. If you find the Dhamma interviews we are sharing of value and would like to support our mission, we welcome your contribution. You may give via Patreon at www.patreon.com insightmyanmar, as well as via PayPal at ww as well as via PayPal at www.paypal.me insightmyanmar. In both cases, that's insightmyanmar one word, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. If you are in Myanmar and would like to give a cash donation, please feel free to get in touch with us. You may want to reflect a little more deeply on some of the themes explored in the last discussion. Following every interview, My friend, Zach Hessler, and I take some time to process the depth of what was said. Zach has been to Myanmar on numerous occasions and spent three years here as a forest monk, and so we hope that our talk can add depth and context to the interview. He's now living in rural Thailand, and I'll just make a quick call on Skype to connect with him now. Great again to catch up with you, Zach, and have a really enthralling and unusual one here with a lot to parse through.
2: Yeah, it was a really interesting story.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was really what it was is it, it was like a, a vivid and terrifying view of of Burma today and Burma recently, one that we we rarely get with that kind of access to someone on the ground with you know his level of experience and interest and, and knowledge. Um, both today as well as really in the past couple decades. And as we talked about at the beginning of the interview with him, I had last seen him, you know, I don't know how many years ago, but it was um, the circumstances of when I last saw him. I don't think we really fleshed out in detail. There had been a article about uh, about Burma at the time by George Packer, who's quite a, uh, a famous reporter and nonfiction writer, Um, He had used uh, Sway Sway Win as a kind of a profile piece of someone who was studying and had a history in activism. And he had basically hid his details, both in terms of where he was living and studying and what he was doing and what he physically looked like. And even like his name, I think they changed one letter on his name. And when it came out, it, it hit too close to home. It came out in The New Yorker. And I don't remember what year this was, you know, seven years ago or so, um, but when it came out, it was so true to life that his, uh, this was a, this was before the country opened up. So whatever year it was, it was definitely before 2012. And it was, it hit so close to home that his uh, safety was um, was a little bit uh, in jeopardy. And so he had to, if my memory serves me right, he basically had to leave in the middle of the night uh, out of Burma and didn't come back for many years. So that was the last time that that I had encountered him face to face when we had the interview. I think I had talked to him online. He'd gone to study in Hong Kong University and I had talked to him a little there. I remember he lamented not having Dhamma books and I tried to help him out of seeing how I can get some scent. But um, that was the last time we met was this article kind of landing too close to home and him escaping, uh, I don't know how, but through the cover of the night. And then we end up back here in a studio talking about his Past history and download experience.
2: Is the article about? Uh, it's not a, the one about the guy growing cannabis there for CBD, is it?
0: No, that's a different one. That's a that's a Colorado uh, Asian American guy in Colorado who uh, who ends up going to Myanmar with his family. I think around Pyin and uh, yeah, develops a CBD farm. That was that was an article covering the last few years of that experience this was this was much earlier than that and it right. was a um, it wasn't a profile of sway Win exactly but it was a um uh, it, it was kind of a study of burma today and where it was going and he was one of the lead protagonists in it kind of seeing understanding what was going on in the country through his prism but it just you know very very little was done to disguise who it was and that uh put him um, put his life at risk and he had to escape
2: Right. I did. So the CBD one's even more more recent. I did kind of because that guy that that writer did flush out sort of what it's like in 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 prisons in Myanmar. I did kind of bring some of that imagery into uh, into the story with uh, with Sui Win here,
0: you know, and rightly so, because in that article, he was in the same prison, the the uh, American CBD grower. Um, that was profiled in that magazine was sent to Mianjan prison, and the description of his prison life was very similar to Sui Win, even though it was you know ten or twenty years apart, and it was exactly the same prison.
2: Yeah, and so the very first thing he says, is, "It's a vivid and terrifying view of Burma today, and this is and recently, and this is even more recent." And even with a democratically elected government, there's aspects to to life in Myanmar that are really almost identical to how it how it was before.
0: Yeah, and I think this is why it's such an interesting interview for us to get into, because in some ways the way the conversation flowed is not dissimilar to the hero's journey of other uh, dharma practitioners, meditators, monastics that we hear from in terms of uh, who they were in early life, how they found the Dhamma, how it transformed their life, who they were today. This follows kind of a similar track, but nowhere has this track coincided with Burma's difficult political and recent history as much as his does. We really get both views there, the view of activism and pushing for positive change um, coinciding with uh, someone who is sitting on the cushion and following a meditation practice to look inside and purify their own mind.
2: Alan talked about that a little bit, didn't he? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Alan absolutely did in his interview talk about that quite a bit. Uh, His life definitely coincided with, um, you know, how his Dhamma practice was also related to his activism. And it's interesting you mentioned that interview because one of the things that really impressed me in Alan's talk, I actually can't remember, we did two interviews with Alan. Only one of them has been released so far. A second one is... uh, is, is going to be coming out soon. And it might have been in the second talk. Uh, so listeners might not have heard this yet. But one of the things that Alan said was about the Dhamma practice in Myanmar as opposed to in other places, was just a reminder to the audience that these people are practicing in conditions that we can't begin to understand. And that understanding the practice that they do, the way that they teach, the way they incorporate the Dhamma into their life, we also have to understand the oppressive regime in which they're living And that when these dhamma teachings are coming to us, those teachings are coming without that background context in which they're being formed. And he just really encouraged us as practitioners to have a deeper appreciation for that wider context in which the teachings are being followed and propagated. Um, and I found this talk with Sway Win so interesting. I might have even mentioned it. I think I did mention during the interview with Sway Win, referencing that talk with Alan, because I found well, here's a guy that's fitting exactly into the mold of how Alan Clements was was speaking about a. Um, A Burmese practitioner who is trying to incorporate his Dhamma practice into a very difficult, very difficult situation where his freedom is not assured and um, his basic uh, human rights and dignity are things that um, cannot be taken for granted. And as he is struggling with all of these things in such different circumstances, he's also going through. The normal practice of a meditator. Well there is no normal practice of a meditator, but these uh, as anyone is starting to learn meditation for the first time, there are some kind of vaguely general stages that people pass through. and in his description of his meditative experience, there, there are some things we can grab onto that might be similar to what we hear stories from other people. but this is happening in the context of being in and out of jail and and um, not living in a free society and so he really is that protagonist that Alan Clements is talking about in incorporating this dhamma practice into a very difficult very different and difficult environment.
2: Well, on top of that, like it would be one thing to be in all these in in all those conditions having had some kind of formal training in in meditation, but he didn't. He he was attracted to it, but he just had a few books and a few people to talk to and kind of in all those difficult conditions was kind of fashioning you Know his own practice, which uh, I mean, he he realized he 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 struggled a bit on uh, with some of that along the way, but he actually he did a pretty good job of, of fashioning together uh, a good Dhamma practice. And I mean, I was just surprised at how potent some of his uh, insights were during that period. Uh, I mean, the conditions, I, I guess, uh, someone said recently about the, uh, the, the recent COVID pandemic that these conditions in a w- in a way are quite helpful for someone who practices Dhamma. And so that he could catch Dhamma at all on his own and, and, and kind of corral some, some different practices together in those conditions there. If you, I mean, just how much suffering there would be without some kind of practice, you know, and that transition he talks about in the beginning, um, you know, geez, I'm only 20 years old. I'm 21 years in prison. Um, how how am I gonna how am I gonna survive this? And then he has insights, you know, that are very you know very very domic, you know, like well, I'm not suffering because of what the mind keeps wanting to blame it on, but I'm actually suffering because of my attachments to what's he called it to stimulus. He uses the word, stim- you know, I, I didn't, I don't have the stimulus I have outside anymore, mm. um, and that insight that uh, you know that what's freedom? You know, freedom is like. Is like having something you can rely on that's that can't be taken away from you it's some, like an internal state you know mm-hmm. that no matter where you are and man like if that's not liberating in normal life how much more so would it be um in prison you know so under those conditions so yeah,
0: yeah right right and formulating that practice pretty much on his own from the start you know he did have access later to some books and maybe some people to talk to but mainly it was just him sitting inside a cell with an awareness of how much misery and suffering he had inside and not wanting to feel that way and knowing that he had to find a way out, which is really the, if you boil down the core of what it was, the Buddha taught with the four noble truths and with, with suffering and the way out of suffering and accepting these truths and and working towards a, uh, a release of them, this is what it all boils down to, but not really knowing how it is that you formulate that and actually you know the 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 very minimal contact he had with other prisoners that he described was them telling him that he's going to go crazy if he practices That no you can't practice meditation it'll make you worse off but still he he proceeds ahead and trying and then later you know years down the line the red cross is the international uh, committee of the red cross the icrc is able to Allow dhamma books very technical, as he said, very boring um, books in there that at least give him something to to hold on to. Um, and in looking at you know just his just to take a moment and look at kind of a character study of what we feel or what I feel in listening to him, it's it's really just this this uh, huge amounts of courage and intensity and conviction, uh, clarity in terms of what he's doing is very powerful to to hear how strong those qualities were in his life and how they came around to his activism as well as his, um, you know, his meditation practice.
2: Right, I, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was fascinated that he, uh, he mentioned uh, Ted Kaczynski, you know, of course we all associate, uh, most of us, because of what we learned about in the media It's just like the act of, you know, the terrorism act, which I don't condone in any, in any way, shape or form yet the um the- ph- philosophical underpinnings of his overall worldview are are actually quite fascinating you know and it's and i think the more the more we go forward uh in this accelerating world of technology i i think we start to see more and more like the effects of technology on us and how that um we kind of lose touch with the gifts of nature, which is something that that uh that's something that stood out for me it's like wow you know <laughs> he's really a unique person you just i mean perhaps it's some naivete and uh stereotyping on my part but when i come to Myanmar i wouldn't i wouldn't expect to run across someone who had that kind of influence you know? and it's it's quite a profound he just has a i mean i guess anywhere i mean a, a lot of people are just you know the mainstream just kind of go with the flow kind of you know I think in any society he he would have been mm-hmm. like this because there's certain quality. I mean, there are some. I, what I mean is, I think there's some strong internal conditions mm. he has. Now he 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 paints it as like, well, I just I think I've been in the Dhamma before, something like that, right? He ha- he thinks he's carrying some of that from a, from past life, which may be true, but there is certainly this proclivity towards um, interesting ideas in the world. Um, looking into things, being investigative, he just has this ability to learn on his own. Um, like the way, for example, he 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 read about metta or heard about it. I can't remember how that played out, but it came to his mind like practicing metta and he's like, I have <laughs> I just have too much anger to do mm-hmm. that. I can't I don't feel metta, so I can't radiate metta. And so you know, for some people, that would be a dead end, or they would need someone to tell them, okay, if you can't do that, do this. But he had the type of mind that could say, well, what can I do? Oh, over here, he does talk about adosa. Uh, uh, there's loba, dosa moha, and there's also alobha adosa, a mo- a moha. And adosa, is, so dosa is uh, aversion or hatred, and adosa is the opposite of that. So, can I at least start with? non-hatred. I can I can get there. I can get like back to neutral where the mind is feeling hatred. Then I can I can find that place of non-hatred. And wow, that's already a sense of relief in me. I don't feel meta yet, but I feel a dosa. And I can share that because now I'm feeling that and I can feel the benefit. And to to get there on his own, you know, I talked b- before about having you know kind of being a Dhamma child or a Dhamma teenager and then sort of learning how to be a Dhamma adult. He seems to naturally have a Dhamma adolescent teenage mind where he's very investigative and willing to experiment and and uh, fashion things on his uh, on his own and learn from them.
0: Yeah, certainly. And something of a of a rebel as well, perhaps, you know, even though he's he's certainly rebelling against the uh, educational and political system of his time. And even as he's doing, he seems to not exactly line up and align himself with uh, the leaders of the democracy movement to, to, to be a little bit, um, uh, you know, have his own unique perspective on, um, that doesn't quite fit into a box with that. And when you talk about his influences, you know, he also mentioned Charles Dickens was a huge influence and, you know, who, um, some, if, uh, someone just came to you and said, Hey, there's this, this guy, who, you know, Ted Kaczynski and the the Unabomber and Charles Dickens are this guy's greatest influences, you know, <laughs> guess, uh, describe what this kind of person is and, and, and what he's like in the world. You know, you wouldn't come up with this, but if you were to describe that, uh, one of the things that struck me in listening to it is it is how much he was like a typical yogi, like, like you or me, Zach, or like probably many of the people listening here from the West where would he have been placed in a situation of greater stability and security and opportunity, he would have followed some kind of similar trajectory. And what I mean by that is he's obviously a, a sensitive young man, or or as he describes himself in those years, at that time, he, at university, he was a sensitive young man looking for truth, looking for friends, for like-minded people to discuss, you know, the deep ideas and the meaning of life, um, wanting a proper education. and, um, And this is this... This is something really common for people of that age, certainly in in, in the West, of uh, you know these kind of periods of idealism and searching that you're going through. Except as he's going through this period in his life, he finds himself caught up in unspeakable historical conditions um, of uh, of society starting to break down around him, and um, and having him having to work out uh, who he is and how he responds in that moment based on his ideals, based on safety, based on his goals. And, uh, and then facing really, really difficult conditions in prison of starvation and beatings and isolation. Um, and so it, I think it, I think for many meditators listening to this, who went through a similar trajectory that you or Isaac went through of, um, of, of learning about ourselves and coming of age and maturing and having some kind of spiritual maturation as well. Obviously we're still going through that, but at least we can point to it before or after of when we first started practice, it does bring about a sort of natural reflection of oneself caught up in those circumstances. If I was that sensitive young man looking for, you know, looking for meaning in my place in the world and my friends and, and for sense, and then I was caught up in these times, what, choices would I made? And, and if those choices led to these kind of difficult conditions, how would I have found my way out? And I, I certainly don't think I could have, um, uh, persevered as, uh, Sway describes himself doing.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Like I, I mean, I talk a lot about this Dhamma child, Dhamma adolescent thing, and, and really I have needed, uh, encouragement in my life, uh, to be the Dhamma adolescent, you know, um, and it's helpful to have the right kind of uh, parental role model there. Um, and I've had I've had some good teachers in my life that really uh, nudge me towards like experiment my yoga teachers, you know, like, hey, look look in your own body and see for yourself, you know Utejania um, right now is that you know, that kind of teacher as well. I said like you know experiment, play around, you know and but I'm not like that by design so to speak you know and so if i was left to my own accord i i don't know i mean maybe under more intense conditions maybe something would shift i'm not sure but yeah i'm not sure (laughs) i'm not sure what i would have done but i i i I can clearly see that 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 part of him was there before prison as well and then in prison and how it served him. i'm not sure i would have the same outcome i might have i might have really i mean i might have not not uh like coalesced the same uh powers and and influences and 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 brought them into the practice like you did I think uh I would have struggled much more It's hard to say you know how things would turn out, but yeah you know, yeah, that's just kind of what what comes up now,
0: yeah, yeah, and you know, considering that conversation on, I mentioned how he found himself this sensitive young man looking for this sense of truth and and betterment at a time when society was really breaking down and that and fast forward to um, where we are now or or um, what the state of Myanmar is in the way that Sway Win describes and there really is a kind of operating in a broken system. So many parts of the way a normal society functions are things you don't find in in Myanmar. In many developing countries, that's true, but certainly in Myanmar. And I found that topic very interesting when it came up, of asking Sway Win about uh, you know the the quintessential question that. Um, so many meditators have of Myanmar, you know, the, the question of if, um, if this is such a, a Buddhist country, so many people are practicing the passion meditation, there's so many wise monks, et cetera, et cetera. Why is there this level of violence? And Sui had a number of directions. He went with that, but one was Sheila. One was the five precepts, the ethical practice that he sees in the country. And he didn't say that it was, you know, um, unequivocally low or bad in Myanmar, but he said it was lower than most people most meditators might think they might give a little more credit for how he feels it really is. And he thinks that there there is in some of the ways that that society is broken down in some ways and some of the things that don't work, he is highlighting the lack of Sheila of people in positions of a power or authority um, that are uh, that are that are playing a role in that broken system, by choosing to uh, perhaps benefit themselves or those around them, at an expense of following a very high level of uh, of, uh, of moral quality, and shila. and that that was an interesting take he had on it.
2: Yeah, you know, it reminds me like the first time I went traveling, I I, I went to Pakistan, which is uh, um, an Islamic republic, right? And you know, I was trying to learn a little bit about Islam, and 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 I was I was critical of them, not not rising up to the highest, you know, standards of their own beliefs, you know, and I think this is a, a, a mistake I made as a kind of a novice traveler. Uh, I mean, if we call America a Christian country, we and we, we hold up the h- highest Christian ideals, we also don't rise to that occasion often, you know, both as a government or even as people often. And so uh, this certainly happens in Myanmar, um, except perhaps like when i first went there i was really uh deeply into uh uh, uh being a very faithful buddhist i was really into like i was really inspired by a lot of more faith-based things i didn't really realize that at the time but so i i, I just bounced around from i was on these uh this uh tour with with sn Goenka and uh about 400 uh, of people from that tradition and we were just bouncing around from Dhamma place to Dhamma place, listening to uh, going to give talks and, and meditating together. And the people were so friendly. And so when you get that, it was kind of a bubble of sorts, you know, and I, that's the impression I carried at Burma. And, and a lot of travelers, when they go there too, that, people are just so nice and this and this and this. It unless you bump into it inadvertently, which I don't think happens to a lot of people, it really kind of takes living there and spending some time there to, to kind of see how, you know, when you look under the hood, so to speak, you know, how things are actually operating. And, um, so then, you know, the, the kind of the kind of shockers is it's not what you think. And it's a matter of fact, it's very strongly the opposite that manifests in many ways. And then, and then, and then like there's this other level when I when I bump into people like Sui win that that in spite of all that, there's still this incredible stuff that happens, you know, in, in that context, you know. So the first layers you don't see that at all and you think it's all kind of rosy and then in a domic way, and then you see like, well, it's actually <laughs> maybe quite a bit darker than I'd expected. Uh, and then in that darkness there's there's just these incredible lights as well. So uh, that's something that's hard to appreciate, I think. like you said, uh, in in so many ways internally he's just like us. Uh, but he just grew up in a completely different uh, different situation. So anyways, yeah, just kind of going through like what my mental process is and as far as like judging cultures and religions and societies and uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's certainly very true that there's these different layers that coexist in the country. And I think one of the things I tell people that start to be here longer is that, and they, they might see one side, a lot of one side first and then a lot of another side later, and they just have no idea kind of how to put these together. And one of the things I really insist on that took me a long time to learn is that the existence of one layer does not actually negate the other one from existing you know the dark and the light if you just want to want to put easy distinctions on them although of course it's it's harder than that but it's more that these these different layers are coexisting with each other and that's what makes it so hard to have a proper appreciation for how things really are and that's also you know getting to the kind of podcast that we want to have of a real truth-telling podcast of um You know, looking at what Myanmar society is like, what different um, practices are like, what monastic life is like, and of course, you and I have extraordinary reverence for the possibilities that are in Myanmar. If we didn't, we wouldn't (laughs) be doing this podcast. So, you know, of course, we 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 we're we're immensely grateful and want to share all that, but we also don't want to have this kind of rosy glow that. Um, can indoctrinate and uh, and just cover, you know, about like Kool Aid to meditators that will then break down when they're there long enough to see things that don't really make sense. I think it's a lot better to talk about those things beforehand in an honest and respectful way, and that's that's this uh, avenue that Sway Win has given us by his honesty and you know, there's so many examples from my personal life, and I'm sure from yours as well in Myanmar, of how this breakdown of a normal functioning society affects every aspect of life. And my examples are more in terms of, you know, business and lay life, because I've, I've uh, done more of that lately at least. And I know you shared um, some very similar examples before from monastic life, uh, the same things happening, but on a monastic level, which, you know, on, on other talks, I think we're gonna get into in more detail. Uh, when I was preparing for this talk, we were going to have after sway wins. The the challenge for me was really thinking of the the you know the the seemingly infinite examples that I could <laughs> offer here for t- real tangible examples for what it's like to live in a society where so many regular functions have broken down and the kind of the personal pain of this um, and how and what role Sheila plays in this, I think is, is important to give some kind of evidence or some some real um, example of. So like, I came up with a couple examples to share, uh, real tangible things to, to give an idea. So one is that several years ago, there was a meditator on Facebook, a Western meditator asking for the exactly official, proper way that you stay at a monastery. And the answer was that You, you know, strictly legally speaking, as a foreigner, you cannot stay in any monastery unless you have a religious visa sponsored by that monastery. And to get a religious visa, the monastery has to go through a set of procedures and contacting local officials and writing a letter and getting that approved. And it's this long, complicated process that that may or may not work and may or may not involve corruption and um Even if you jump through all the hoops, that still might not really mean that you're clear. And the basic advice that he was getting on Facebook from very seasoned meditators who've been here a long time was just like, hey, just go to the monastery you want to go to and talk to the Seda, tell him your intentions, and if he feels comfortable with you and um, and he is kind of in a safe place to do it. He'll just let you stay and he'll talk to the local officials and it'll all work out. And this meditator was responding. Well, no, like I'm following this very ethical practice and it's the backbone of everything I do. And I want to make sure everything is official. Everything's legal. Everything is ethical. I, I want to be completely by the book. And it was just so interesting seeing this dynamic. It made total sense what he was saying. I mean, he was it was really, really quite wonderful to see his level of integrity. But the response he got back to that was that you know, some there, there's not really a by the book here because <laughs> no one no really book. knows what the book is. You know, there's rules out there that are. Um, that are in the books and they're not enforced or they're enforced on some days or they're enforced to some extent or they're enforced in some place and not another. There's other thing, there's other so-called rules that are not in the books, but that are regularly enforced. And so there's not this like standardized code where you do this and this and this, and then, then you're by the book and then you're good. Um, you know, in my own life, that's, that's, that's an example from a meditator out there talking on Facebook and in my own life, the level of difficulty that we've had, in dealing with not really knowing how things are supposed to run, you know, make an endless confusion of where um, there might be licenses given for cars or driving licenses or businesses or homes or something like that. And then all of a sudden, one day, they'll just say, um, you know, someone seemingly someone somewhere wants money and they'll just say every single license that we've ever issued is invalid. And you have until this period to get new licenses, of course, jumping through more hoops and paying more money. And often if you're a foreigner, those, um, the, the, the protocol is not really clear and you have to hire a so-called agent where you you know pay more money on top of that to get these things passed. And um, and, and so being a meditator who wants to live an ethical life the what this is all coming to and where where it's kind of the, the underlying point of why I'm telling these stories is that if you want to live very ethically know what the code is follow the code, code do the right thing um because of some of the ways that these systems aren't functioning it's very hard to do that and so this uh when sway win talked about the um some of the poor ways that Sheila are being followed here and a reason for why um uh why things weren't the way that meditators might might expect them to be this thought arose this this memory arose that um when you're when you're operating in a country where the system is not really codified and functioning the way that it should be it makes it harder to live a real ethical life full of sheila because you don't really know what the right way forward is and you um, and the more you kind of stick your head up and try to ask and try to find out and try to make sure that every procedure is done the the same way, that might actually get you into more of a mess. And so, um, and so the the you know, and, and and it's been one of my learnings in Burma, and also talking to him, this came about as well. That that was really a new learning for me in my maturation, um, which I had never really thought before is that the the stability of the society and the the kind of the justice and the fairness of the society actually affects in some way, the degree to which you are able to follow certain kinds of Sheila and that you can trust that you would live in a certain kind of society that would not uh, impinge on you and push you into a certain kind of area or decision-making where it would be harder to know how to follow proper Sheila because um, the normal functions are not as clear and as straightforward as they can be. Um, and so hearing that part of the talk definitely referenced a lot of past experiences and thoughts that I've had in being here.
2: That's right. And it, I mean, and you would have if you've never lived, if someone's never lived in this kind of culture uh, here in Thailand, you know, I, I, uh, corruption is, is fairly standardized. I mean, no one really likes it, but it's it's a, an accepted part of life that's just how it is if you need certain things you have to pay bribes especially if they have leverage on you they're gonna make you pay more of a bribe and so um and it's not always the case and and so but the important thing is like where's that line you know and that line has to be discerned often in real time you know and and am i acting out of greed or or fear or, or or you know am i really being coerced into this or am i being greedy here you know like and so we, we can't. It's it's a what I realize. It's like a, it's a luxury to have been brought up in a just society. Absolutely. And and with the Dhamma in mind that the 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 um, the proclivity of human beings is towards greed, aversion, and delusion, and, and so the fact that corruption exists is actually quite normal. And and actually the kind of carving out justice and and enforcing it is actually in some sense is more the anomaly but it's just what i grew up in so it's a kind of a shocker when i when i come out of that but as i look around the world i think i think greed tends to dominate uh and 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 so at a personal level it's like one it's just like really trying to be able to see the truth of something it might not be pretty but like this is real you know, and then making some kind of peace with that doesn't mean condoning it. Right. But this is making peace with, yeah, I accept that. This is how it is. And then how do I negotiate that again? It's more of a, it's not, we can't be children there. We have to grow up a little bit and make some decisions on our own. And those decisions, uh, take discernment that might be different in different scenarios. Um, and really kind of basing our sila on, on wisdom that arises, from our experience of gaining wisdom and applying it in the moment and applying it in different ways. That's a lot more difficult in the beginning than just relying on a set of rules, which is what we're used to. We're not forced to, to have this discernment. And so in a way that's, that's kind of a gift, right? It's more difficult. It's disappointing at first, if you've come, you know, I came from a different culture. Um, but in the end, I think there's a, a deeper, appreciation, not appreciation is the wrong word, understanding of of how the world is, how humans are, what loba dosa moha is, how it operates and how strong it is, and then how we can navigate that. Again, it might be annoying at first not to have these kind of clear guidelines, but in the end we become more stronger in our application of sila if it's not coming externally um, kind of codified for us.
0: Right. And I think one of the learnings I had in living in society and also in hearing from Sway Win, is that when you're living in a just society, the decision of kind of how moral and ethical to be is kind of your own. You're you're generally not put in a situation where um, things are unclear and uh, you're pushed in one way or another to uh, to not really know what the correct procedure is and to, uh, to have the sense of grayness when you're in a just society, it's really, if you're, if you're acting unethically, that's really an independent decision most of the time coming from you. But, um, when there is not a level of Sheila followed at higher levels in the way procedures are happening, then sometimes it's, it's just very, very difficult to, To find uh, the correct way of acting when you don't feel that there's a system in place that's looking out after you. And of course, in Western countries, we criticize those systems a lot and justly so, and there's a lot of holes in them. But how well they work and how repeatedly are something you don't really appreciate until you spend time in cultures where that's not the case. That being said, I I was really curious and interested when Sui Wen talked about the, uh, you know, he, he, he talked along these parallel tracks of. Um, the practice of meditation and mindfulness and then kind of having activism towards uh, wanting to create a more just um, and uh, and better society. And in some of the, the areas that connected both of these, you know, talking about Shila and right speech and metta and some of these things and how these, these Buddhist practices or meditative practices would also affect society at large and definitely made me think of... What we might need in America right now. We're both American, and with the current divisions we're having, how those um, those different uh, good practices of Sheila, right, speech, and meta would, would be helping us as well.
2: Right. I think what inside of that one one really good learning is, you know, we. I think growing up in that kind of controlled uh, justice, and and I'm not saying by any means that that there's justice for everyone in America. I'm I'm white male. Uh, so there's a ton of privilege that I have that I want to recognize that. But from for the privilege class, there's it, there's one set. So I'm not saying America's perfect, but when you compare it to uh, coming to these places, it's really easy to be judgmental uh, and to have an expectation. Uh, and so what Sui wind brings to that activism isn't this, blame kind of and victimization kind of thing he said very clearly we are all dictators you know and this is like what he means by that what he says like it's we're only a few conditions away from being and doing horrible things so i think yeah how do i want to say this and coming from one set of conditions it's easy to judge another set but but actually forgetting it's easy to forget that if you grew up in those conditions if you grew up in the conditions that the dictator did in if you had the same internal and external conditions and the same opportunities you could easily be a dictator and and it's that kind of wisdom that he's brings to his activism and i think i mean that's that's incredible to me you know he says we he talked about it in more simple terms about just being clean you know like if we're going to clean up society we got to clean up ourselves and you really have to understand the human condition overall and and so you know because it's so easily this division you're talking about in our culture it's just so easy to demonize the other side and i think that's where you know we don't come back together we're not really trying to understand you know i i could go into some very you know a lot of details about what's going on in america i won't right here but uh but yeah absolutely um i think I think understanding that, that everyone's, the way everyone's behaving is based on conditions and not on being inferior or being stupid or, you know, like, um, bringing that understanding to activism, I think is essential. Otherwise you end up just being a part of polarizing and it's just going to drive people further apart from each other.
0: Yeah that's really beautifully put and if you're bringing that kind of you know anger and victimization and righteousness to your activism then whatever cause it is you're promoting the the means in which you're promoting it is still putting out some degree of negativity into the world and when Sway Win was in that prison cell. And he definitely had a lot of reason for righteousness, anger, and victimization, you know, in the situation that he was in. But he also realized that those were not uh, mental states that would help him in any way. And so he tried to find a way out of it. When you talk about, uh, when you, Zach, talk about being um, a, a product of our conditions, uh, whatever, whatever culture that is, we're all dictators. And, and coming from certain kind of conditions, we have uh, the potential to be shaped in certain ways. This practice, this practice of liberation that all of us are following, that are going about some kind of meditative work in line with the Buddha. This is a process of removing those conditions. If we're doing it right, uh, this is a process of of looking into what, not replacing it with one set of conditions to another, but looking at how that mind is conditioned and trying to get to to an unconditioned state, or at least to see things moment to moment that are unconditioned and. Um, On the flip side of that, also having an understanding or a sympathy, not excusing or condoning the behavior, but having some kind of understanding that people are acting according to their conditions, even when we don't like it very much, even when we're seeing corruption or uh, violence or um, sectarianism or something else that... um, that wisdom can also inform us that this is um, these aren't stupid or bad people as you say this is action that's coming from a place of the mind being conditioned and not get able to remove those yet
2: right i think it it takes some inner reflection but oftentimes well i should say it like this. i don't always do this and when i don't i end up in trouble but when i can i reflect on what am I seeing here in this other person that, that aversion is arising from? I'm seeing some kind of defilement. And and it's not, so, it's, it's not even so general that, yeah, there's dosa, and I also have dosa. It's like there's dosa or loba in this particular way. There's greed in this particular way. And even though mine doesn't manifest the same, there are similar conditions in my life that I can actually point to that, that I have some degree of of greed in or or aversion in the same way. Um, it may not be exactly the same, but it's so it's not just this I can relate to it in the most general terms. I can get even a little more specific. And and their shades are gray. And uh, you know, so so Sui Wen could realize he could have been the prison guards that are taking bribes. He could have been the prison guards that are allowing or even probably uh, asking the gang to, to beat this new prisoner up. Um, he could have been one of the gang members that, that did that to him. It's just all a matter of conditions. And if we, if we can relate to ourselves and the world that way, that this is just mind, this is, and there's defilements and there are wisdom. And we, if we can kind of sort that out, we, I think the more we, we kind of coalesce as an individual, I think we get ourselves into trouble the more that that loosens up and we just see there is just mind, there are just bodies and there are just conditions. Uh, uh, There can be this real compassion for all kinds of different um, situations. And then when we come from that place, then we might be able to actually do something with activism doesn't, doesn't take this kind of, it has sometimes a negative connotation of being opposition or confrontation. It can be actually quite an act of compassion and empathy for ourselves and the other. So I I really think there's a lot of healing. Uh, It takes that kind of wisdom in the activism to be helpful and healing.
0: Right, right. And just as you're interpreting activism that way, I also want to give a certain kind of reinterpretation or clarification of another word of rebel, you know, rebel can be, can have the connotation of being something that whatever you put in front of me, I'm just going to take the opposite side. I'm going to rebel against it. But rebel can also be a way of, uh, not following the conditions that the mind is setting out for you. And I think we really see this definition of rebel in Sway win, um, Certainly we saw it within the story, but if we stand back and take a wider perspective and some things we didn't get a chance to get into in the uh, in the talk are covered a little bit in my introduction before it. Uh, we look at what he's doing today and he's really one of the on the forefront of uh, Bamar, you know, the ethnic um, Burmese people in the country that are... Um, are calling out the nationalism that has taken over some of the, uh, you know, anti-Muslim and pro 969 movement. And he has really been at the forefront of criticizing that at a great expense to himself. And it reminds me, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, because when we hear about his early, his earlier uh, observations and feelings, he talked about not, and, and even in his early days as a meditator, he talked about not really understanding why he needed to show certain kind of respect or deference to seniors or to uh, people with more experience in an area or to even monks who've been in robes for a certain amount of time. He really wanted to see the, um, uh, to him, it was really the, uh, the, the value or the content of the person's ideas or actions uh, more than you know, their resume or their CV. And so with that, you know, he's, uh, he's put himself, uh, by, by standing by his ideals in his role as an edit- editor, He's been, uh, you know, as mentioned in the, in the introduction, he was sued and um, that was great personal expense. And he's had assassination attempts at his life, I think, three weeks before we sat down for the interview. Someone um, took a shot at him. And even while we were doing the interview, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, Zach, how the last time I had seen him was when he had to escape under the cover of the night after this George Packer New Yorker article came out. Well, as we were wrapping up the interview, we had gone on a little bit long in, in the interview and his uh, his wife and his daughter were asleep in the car outside. And I had really encouraged him several times to you know, come in and, and and sit outside the studio and relax. And But he didn't want to wake, wake his daughter up and he couldn't contact his wife and daughter because in the studio, of course, there's no phones, So we don't, we don't have any contact. And as the interview went on longer, I think eventually that interview was interrupted by his daughter walking into the studio. Well, his wife and daughter were justifiably quite concerned about, um, this interview with someone that they had never met going on a little bit too long. And the recent, um, uh, attempts on his life and um and uh and such and so um and so our our interview was uh we were we we're coming to the end anyway and it was happily interrupted by his daughter walking into the room i think some of that was caught on audio but it also was just kind of a testament to this guy's courage and his convictions and you know we talk about a hero's journey this guy is a true hero he's a hero in in the mundane sense of what he's doing and um and he's also taken his own hero's journey on a spiritual path
2: i was wondering what happened at the end there i was a little uh unclear in the, in listening to it. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you cleared that up. Uh, but yeah, I can appreciate also that it's one thing to sit in comfort and then talk about uh, and, and even, even act on, uh, our, our best intentions. So how do we respond when things get tough? You know, and this is, this is also a question I have during this current crisis, you know, like how, how is our mind right now? And what's good for us in mind right now? Because things are a little tough right now for a lot of people. For the week, current
0: crisis, you're, you're meaning the we current just say, people yeah. Might be listening to this at different times. You're referring to coronavirus, yeah, right.
2: the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that people, you know, this is this is uh, stress and duress of life. You know, from from the outside, you know, and then what's happening inside? Do we have some stability of mind to offer not only ourselves and our families and our friends, but and the the wider people around us and and our, are, 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 can we, um, can, you know, just it, there's a reflection, I shouldn't, I don't need to go into specifics, but like, the, it's a, it's a reflection back to us on, on our current state of mind, not to judge so much, but just to understand, you know, and, um, I really appreciate uh, the people that are helpful, um, and then, so even more so, uh you know, the, the pandemic just kind of can come to us, comes to, to our doorstep, but like, there's other people that will actually step out into it and get and the activism that's that's a more um, what's the word proactive term right and then facing doing well in the face of adversity is one thing but knowing that you will probably get adversity by stepping out and being proactive is a whole nother level and and that life does call for that sometimes. Um, and so I just have a lot of admiration for that willingness to to be out on those margins and you know because a lot of the people because and with wisdom though right so he would have compassion for people that that believe that way there is a a narrative in the nationalism you know that that n- emotionally makes sense to a lot of people obviously you know and, and you have to understand that if you're gonna reach these people and and show them that there's a better way if you if you negate their ideas you're also negating their feelings right off the bat and so um yeah so and we have to understand that these groups he's uh he's challenging their ideologies and their methods you know um they're they're not pacifists they're 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 violent uh, yeah. they they use physical force and up to the point of like burning down villages or burning down buildings, at least, and and killing. Uh, and and uh, would we would we stand up for that? Like it's a nice reflection. I mean, and not to judge ourselves. It's not a reflection to beat ourselves up. It's to like to say, like, what would I do? What would I do in that situation? Like, how how far can I go? Like to get involved in in what's right, you know. Um, and there there's a lot of options on what's right but but uh you know uh, yeah I, I these are things we often don't have to face and and uh, yeah we need people like Sway Wynn. so it's nice to to meet and hear his story so personally
0: we do we do and we 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 also we need people like him in the world and we also i don't know if we need but we certainly um you could say we crave or we we benefit from the gift of their speech and opening up the way they do. I mean, what what an absolutely extraordinary, harrowing, beautiful, tragic, you know, ongoing story that that he gives us to reflect about where he's come from and where he's going and what he's standing up for now. And um, you know, that that as we've talked about before is combining this practice of Dhamma, of looking within and taking responsibility within and And taking those conditions off of yourself, freeing yourself, liberating yourself as you're also uh, taking the activism outside for people that um, that maybe can't speak or stand for themselves and to really want to use that activism to truly make society a better place. Promoting a type of activism, as you've said, Zach, that is um, is also mindful of the emotions um, that he's putting out in the world, and uh, and it's just uh, it's just a privilege to be able to hear that. As Sway Wynn himself said, you know, one of the most beautiful, profound things he said on the podcast to me was talking about. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but there was a line where he talked about how you know, yeah, he would really like to have that silence of a meditation retreat. He really likes the silence. He really likes to to be able to to sit in that long period of observing himself and observing his own mind, as many of us do, probably most of the listeners on this podcast appreciate and value that. And yet, and yet, and yet, the thing, the rejoinder he said to that was, but I have to use my voice, you know. I find I have to use my voice. I can't sit forever in that silence. Of course, he does take advantage of that silence when he can. He's not eschewing it and and um, and th- you know, taking that off the table. But he's having to moderate his own silence and inner work for when he needs to stand up and use that voice and discern that it is not a time for silence in a certain venue or situation.
2: What a contrast! Silence must be in his life. Uh, something I, I, I can only imagine. Anyways, yeah, it was really nice to get a a, a peek into that life um, for perspective. You know, it, it's we have some westerners on here a lot telling their their journeys. It was nice to hear uh, such a. I mean, what a great to hear from a Burmese uh, meditator. What a great story. Uh, like I said, not just a story. It's like a living. You know, this is real really inspiring.
0: Yeah, boy, there's a lot more we can say about it. I know both of us had a few more uh, bullet points um on each of our sides to uh to get through to talk about them. I mean, there's just so much filled in that in that hour plus. Um but I think we're we're good now. I think hopefully we've given some listeners some, some more thoughts for reflection and uh I know we have some some good ones uh coming up after this as well.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it all. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Well will take
2: care. Stay safe.
0: Practice uh, social distancing, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and all the other uh, public service (laughs) announcements out there.
2: Thanks, likewise.
0: Okay, okay, take care. You have been listening to the Insight Myanmar podcast. We invite you to rate, review, and share our podcast as every little bit of feedback helps. You can also subscribe to the Insight Myanmar podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to check out our website for our complete episodes, including additional text, videos, and other information at www.insightmyanmar.org. That's one word, I N S I G H T M Y A N M A R.org. If you cannot find our feed on your podcast player, please let us know and we will ensure that it can be offered there in the future. There was certainly a lot to talk about in this episode, and we'd like to encourage listeners to keep the discussion going. Make a post, suggest a guest, request specific questions, and join in on discussions on our Insight Myanmar podcast Facebook group. And also welcome to join our Facebook and Instagram accounts by the same name of Insight Myanmar. If you're not on Facebook, you can also message us directly at BurmaDama at gmail.com. That's B-U-R-M-A-D-H-A-M-M-A at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to start up a discussion group on another platform, let us know and we can share that forum. We would also like to take this time to thank everyone who made this podcast possible, especially our two sound engineers, Martin Combs and Tharne, along with Zach Hessler, content collaborator and part-time co-host. Ken Pransky helps with editing Kishingbat Gamble does our social media templates, and Dragos Bandita and André Francois make our sketches. We'd also like to thank everyone who has assisted us, bringing the guests who have made up the show thus far, as well as the guests themselves, for agreeing to come and share. Finally, we are immensely grateful for the donors who made this entire thing possible. We also remind our listeners that the opinions expressed by our guests are their own and not necessarily reflective of the host or other podcast contributors. If you find the Dhamma interviews we are sharing of value and would like to support our mission, we welcome your contribution. You may give monthly donations at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash insightmyanmar or one-time donations on PayPal at www.paypal.me insightmyanmar. In both cases, that's Insight Myanmar one word. If you are in Myanmar and would like to give a cash donation, please feel free to get in touch with us.